Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Friday, June 23rd, 2023. I'm back here with Luke. He is back in Georgia, ready to talk some MLB, ready to talk NFL. A lot of interesting stuff going on in the NFL. We had the CONCACAF Nations League and UEFA Nations League come to a conclusion the other day. Got a ton of transfer news. Then we're going to be doing a top three, bottom three of confirmed transfers and rumored transfers thus far luke you ready to get into it dude i'm ready i got a tan it's a nice break but i am more than happy to get back into it all right well let's start in the mlb luke i'm gonna have you start it off dude let, let's just go ahead and get the most important thing out of the fucking way here joe uh joe adele that, that little home run that he hit 514 feet the Angels triple A Salt Lake Bees. It was the longest home run tracked by StatCast ever. Yeah, it was an absolute moonshot. Like, absolutely yeah. fucking insane. Yeah, I, I. it looked like it went 600, dude. <laughs> yeah, it, it looked like it was never going to stop moving. For sure. Absolutely insane. But just talking recent news, we found out the news today, being Thursday, that Ronald Acuna Jr., and Shohei Otani are the first two players locked in as all-star starters. They were the leaders in each league for votes. And the final numbers that I saw from MLB for each of them were Acuna with about 3 million votes and Otani with about 2.5 or 2.6 million votes. I'm not surprised by either of these. No, not surprised either and very deserving for both of those players. It's like Otani, obviously every, Everybody knows him on like a worldwide scale, I feel like at this point, but like more so from a Georgia boy, not a Braves fan, but a Georgia boy, seeing Acuna get this much recognition is pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome. And um, I don't have the full updates um, votes wise uh, as of today when the voting closed, but as of June 20th, uh, the way it goes in the National League, top two catchers, Sean Murphy and Will Smith. Top two first baseman, Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson. Uh, top two second baseman, Luisa Reyes and Ozzie Albies. And then third baseman, Nolan Arenado and Austin Riley. And then shortstops, Orlando Arcia has a 500,000 vote um, advantage over Francisco Lindor in second. J.D. Wow. Martinez leads designated hitters by just over about like 150,000 over Bryce Harper. And then the outfielders, of course, Acuna already locked it up, but Mookie Betts, Corbin Carroll, Lourdes Gurriel, and Juan Soto follow suit. Um, the National League, I really don't have any complaints um, anywhere. Not a lot of guys that I'm just absolutely disagreeing with up there at the top. Yeah, no, everybody that you mentioned is having a fantastic season, so I don't think they missed anybody. Yeah, and I think in the AL, there's a little bit more discrepancy, uh, but at the catcher position, Adley Rutschman's in first, uh, 895,000. Um, as of the 20th, it was Salvador Perez in second, but he was only 2,000 votes ahead of Jonah Heim, and I believe Jonah Heim jumped him to become a finalist for um, starting for the AL or sorry, um, yeah, to be a finalist to start for the AL. And then at first base, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. leads Yandy Diaz by about 70,000 votes. It's got to be Yandy Diaz. Like, it's ridiculous that Vlad is ahead of him. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Yandi is uh, having a much better season. Yep, and then at second base, who else but Marcus Stroman in first? Uh, I think he's got, yeah, like over double Whit Merrifield in second. And then uh, third base, Matt Chapman uh, leads with Josh Jung in second. Uh, shortstops, Bo Bichette with the, I believe, second most votes in the AL. He leads shortstops, uh, and behind him is Corey Seager. And then, obviously, Shohei Otani took the crown at DH. And then in the outfield, your top six is Judge, Trout, Arozarena, Alvarez, Kiermaier, and Springer. Judge still in there. Oh, yeah. After being on the IL twice. <laughs> yep. And he'll probably win uh, first in outfielders, I'm sure. That's insane. <laughs> but, yeah, um, the new ballot starts on Monday. It'll just be finalists. So uh, just your top two that you'll get to vote between in each league at every position. So I think that's going to be real fun. So make sure on Monday you get out there and you start voting. Is baseball the only sport that has, like, finalists like that? Um, I, I haven't heard of that anywhere else. It probably is. Well, I, I want to bounce off of that because you mentioned someone that I had on my list here. So, Jonah Heim. Yes. Uh, in a game versus the Rangers and the White Sox. This this was absolutely unbelievable. He was ruled blocking the plate. Well, he wasn't. And they ruled that Elvis Andrews actually ended up scoring. This gave the White Sox a 7-6 to six lead in the bottom of the eighth. And, dude, this was like the loudest crowd reaction I have ever heard from like a baseball review. I mean, the White Sox fans were bumping. But, I mean, it was just, it was a horrible, horrible call. And I think the Rangers manager got ejected too. And it was just, it was awful. And I mean, I, I don't think the players really understand in the moment that it's not coming from the umpires. It's coming from the replay crew. But I have no idea what the replay crew even saw <laughs> to overturn that call. Yeah, I, I saw that as well. And it, it's just ridiculous. Like, I you have to allow the catcher the opportunity to get to the ball. And that's exactly what he was doing. Yeah. Um, and he, in my opinion, wasn't even really blocking the plate that bad. No, so. not really. Not as bad as I've seen it before that they've called people out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, but um, let's talk about the, the ups and downs right now in the MLB. It's very hot and cold. Uh, starting with the hot teams, the Cincinnati Reds are on an 11-game win streak, and this hot streak is nothing short of miraculous. Uh, they've won 11 straight games. Like I said, it's the team's longest win streak since 12 straight in 1957. But Cincinnati joins the 1890 Louisville Colonels as the only franchises in MLB history with an 11-game win streak just a season after losing 100 games. Wow. But let's make this crazier, this streak that they're on, because there have been over 100,000 instances in the modern era where an MLB team had fewer total hits and fewer total walks than its opponents over a 10-game span, and the Reds are the only one of those teams that has ever won all 10 of those games. <laughs> Wow, over a hundred thousand. Yes, that's incredible. Yeah, and then the Braves are on an eight-game streak, but 
who's really surprised. And then the Giants, <laughs> the Giants just lost their 10 game win streak, but they've played phenomenally. They have been surging uh, in the National League uh, West. They look great. Fantastic. And I like how you brought up the Braves because uh, I wanted to read this Spencer Strider quote to you that I read. And th- this is just oh, so awesome. It's fantastic. I already know what you're going to say. I want to beat everybody, he says. I dislike every opponent equally. No offense to them, but that's how you're going to play the game. If you're not wearing my jersey, then we're fighting for food. That I is it. exactly what you want out of your ace. Yeah. <laughs> if it, and it's just like, God, the Braves have so many likable players. It's not even funny. Dude, uh, <laughs> it's, I, it's unbelievable. I couldn't be happier. Like when I saw that quote, I was like, this is just so Spencer Strider, man. Like his mentality on the mound, you can see it. Whether you have to hear him talk or not, you can see his mentality because it's it's so emotional when he is on the mound. And he it's just so obvious that he gets fired up. And he just does such a great job of conveying that through his body language on the mound, but also in these post-game interviews. You're exactly right. And I'm going to give you a quickie here, Grayson. Yeah, I, I said it, a quickie. Whoa. Corbin Carroll today scored from first on a single to center. Jesus. How do you do that? Uh, you <laughs> run really fast. <laughs> and it's just crazy because there's someone in the league that's faster than him that's probably nine inches taller. <laughs> that's true, and he's running out grounders to the first baseman. So, yeah, it's what kind of league are we freaking watching these days, man? It, yeah. It's just like you can tell, you know, as like mod- sports become more modernized, and you know, in our age especially, athletes are obviously getting more ridiculous with like you know how tall they are, how much they weigh. You know, what's their 40 time? And it's cool to see it translate to baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Baseball seems to have always been kind of the great equalizer of players. So, you know, we can have our Ellie De La Cruz's and we can have, you know, Fernando Tatis and guys of that size. But then we can also have Jose Altuve's and guys like that that just simply are just as good or better. Yep. It's very, very cool. But I want to talk about the Pirates. And really everybody who's struggling right now, because the Pirates are really struggling. They've lost nine straight, and um, they can attribute this skid to the Cubs because in just over a week, <laughs> yeah. the Chicago Cubs have gone 6-0 and against the Pirates, outscoring them 48-14 to and surpassing them in the division. Yeah, uh, they well, they were like a many games behind and immediately closed the gap in like what you just said, like a week. It's yeah. insane. I think they've got a game and a half lead over them now in the division. Dang. That is incredible. Yeah, but yeah, the Pirates really struggling. The Oakland A's as well, uh, not surprised at all. They've lost eight straight. But <laughs> be, though they aren't playing well, they did get an emotional and historical win on Wednesday, as the news broke that the Oakland A's fan-created Cell t-shirt is on its way to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty damn cool. It's now officially a piece of history. I mean, as it should. And, and it's just crazy. Like, I really didn't even know the Oakland A's were back to their usual self because it seemed like just like a week and a half ago <laughs> – Everything they they were going to the playoffs. It seemed like <laughs> how how the hype was, but uh, oh man, bummer. But I guess it's back to the usual. 
yes, uh, as always, everything balances itself out. But the Rockies, um, no stranger to this list either. Uh, they've lost eight straight as well. I got nothing to say about them. They just suck. Damn. Fuck the Rockies, but... <laughs> did you um did you see Lotus Guriel making sandcastles? I sure did. That's so Dude, funny. He had his fucking purple goofy ass hair with his little purple wristbands that matched his hair, and he was just out there. I mean, in a blowout win too. Yep. I, I love Lotus so much. He's yeah. such a fun player. That was very funny to see. Uh, but I gotta talk about this Minnesota's budding superstar starter. I absolutely love this guy. Joe Ryan pitched a complete game shutout today. Only gave up three hits, had nine Ks. Give it up for Joe Ryan, dude. Oh, my God. Damn. Things happening over there in Minneapolis. Yeah, he um, looked fucking stellar on the mound, though. Like, let's see. Yeah, nine innings pitched, three hits, no runs, no walks, nine Ks, 112 pitches, 83 of those being strikes. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a good way to put your team in a position to win. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> 20 of 30. First pitch strikes. Oh my god! Ridiculous. So he's in. So twenty times out of thirty, he's in a one counts. Yes. Unfair. <laughs> yeah, absolutely crazy. Um, but Luke, what else you got, dude? So I don't think this guy's getting enough attention, which might be kind of something controversial to say because of um you know, everything that he just got in trouble for. But Fernando Tatis defensively has probably been the best defender in the MLB. And he switched positions this year. He um so as of Sunday, he's the only outfielder worth at least um six outs before average or above average. That's nice. like yeah, he's cracked, dude. He leads all defensive players with 13 runs saved. Wow. And recently, I think I think this was the Sunday game. He um, it, it was like something like the second fastest throw on Statcast, right be- right behind that Hunter Renfro throw that I think we talked about on the podcast yeah, a couple weeks so ago. I believe Tatis's throw was third behind himself earlier this season, and then okay. behind Hunter Renfro. Yeah, but he's just—I don't feel like he's really getting that much, getting enough attention for what he's been doing because, like. I mean, I, I don't really know baseball like you, but he just fucking switched positions this year, and he's already putting up numbers like this. I just think it's incredible. No, it's absolutely insane, but I think what's outshadowing that is how he's hit it. Since he's returned, holy shit, has he been good. Like, absolutely crazy. In 54 games, he's already got 15 home runs, 35 RBIs, and 12 steals. And he's already walked Damn. 22 times. Yeah, the strikeouts are high, but he's Fernando Tatis. The kid has been absolutely out of his mind. Like, he is almost... So in 2019, he played 84 games in his rookie year, and he accumulated 197 total bases. Through 54 games in this season, he's already at 125 total bases. Damn. Yeah. Shit. I mean... I guess he is the real deal. <laughs> he sure is. And, and But you're right. His defense has been outstanding. Like something that we never thought about for Fernando Tatis because we certainly saw him play in the infield and uh, defense was not what we were looking for there. But, the, yeah. yeah, the way he's played defense this season has been 
phenomenal, especially for somebody that's just starting out in the outfield. I love it. I love it. Um, I want to talk about Garrett Cole. <laughs> oh man, this is this is the Garrett Cole Grayson that I have been waiting for for so long. Against Seattle, I think this was uh, not the game yesterday, but the one before, so that would have been Tuesday. Seven, uh, seven innings pitched, four hits, one earned run, one walk, and eight Ks. And I don't know if you saw this, but it was absolutely hilarious. So he's in an 0-2 count versus second baseman Jose Caballero in the seventh. And, you know, Caballero the whole game is giving Garrett Cole the business, you know, bending the pitch clock and doing all kinds of things, calling timeouts when Garrett Cole's set. And, I mean, you can – I'm going to be honest. I think Garrett Cole's kind of a pussy. He's a great pitcher, but I, I think he's a total pussy. And you could tell that it was getting to Garrett Cole's head. You know, the mind games were absolutely tearing him to pieces. So Garrett Cole launches a fastball like 20 feet over his head yep. at 98 miles an hour. And, I mean, you know, he kind of ducks, and the fans behind the home plate, you know, kind of duck to the side. And then Garrett Cole, you know, it ends up being a full count, and Garrett Cole strikes him out. And as Garrett Cole's walking to the dugout, uh, Ranger, uh, not Rangers manager, Mariners manager is yelling at him, and Garrett Cole gave him the best finger wag ever, and the Yankees went on <laughs> to win that game. So Garrett Cole, man, um, here's some, just some cool starts about or uh, stats about him. He's twelve and four when he starts, or the Yankees have a twelve and four record when he starts. He's one of three pitchers in the league to have twelve plus team wins. Wow, that's fantastic. Yes. But I want to go back to this Twins game real quick because if you didn't think Joe Ryan's complete game shutout was good enough, what about Byron Buxton? He was showing off the muscles today. He gets it started with a 466 home run in the bottom of the first to make it a back-to-back with Carlos Correa, and then strikes again in the third with a 465-foot home run just to cap it off. And I've never been more confident in saying that somebody will be pissing in a cup tonight than Byron Buxton. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they sure will. I, I always like I always forget that he has that much pop. Yeah, man. I mean he's crazy. Fuck me. It's insane. Yeah. Insa- I mean, when healthy, I, I seriously think he kind of compares to Trout as far as like speed and power. Yeah, and I think he's probably faster than Trout, even in Trout's prime. Yeah. But just the way he moves is absolutely insane and the amount of ground he can cover in the outfield is ridiculous yeah are they still DHing him um I don't know if they did today uh but they may have I'm checking right now um yes he is DHing dang I I I can't wait until I, I don't know if he'll ever be able to really play center field consistently again but he is just so entertaining on both sides of the baseball that I'd I hate that he's DHing. I, you're losing so much of that flash out there yeah. in the outfield. But I get it. I mean, just a bummer. Yeah, and let's just let's get this out of the way. We gotta we gotta just stroke Luis Arias every episode. Oh yeah. So uh, his 3.98 batting average through Miami's first 75 games is the best by any player since Tony Fernandez hit 405 in Toronto's first 75 in 1999. But in 1941, when Ted Williams became the last AL or NL player to hit 400 in a season, his batting average through Boston's first 75 games was 398. 
Wow. So is Luis Arias on the same pace as Ted Williams? Uh, are we going to see a 400 batting average season? <laughs> By some dude on the Marlins. Yeah, some dude. <laughs> some dude. I, I just <laughs> – him out of everybody, man. It, it's, it's cool to see, but, I, I mean, probably not for you, but, I mean – this I don't mind it. <laughs> the Marlins, but, I don't care. The Marlins are fantastic. I, I'm honestly, I'm rooting for them to play well. They're not going to best the Braves, but I'm rooting for them. Oh, man. That that would be kind of sick to see the Braves and Marlins in the postseason. Oh, yeah. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Right now, they're 42 and that. 33. They look great right now. The, the thing that kind of makes me confident is the run differential. They right now are a negative eighteen. Huh. Yeah, just just a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, you're not you're nine games nine games over five hundred, and you have a negative eighteen run differential. That's in, that's insane. <laughs> but well, oh, go ahead. I I just had to I had to get this out of the way because this is exciting stuff. So we missed it last week, but uh, Carlos from Don't Injury yes. Saga continues. And I am I'm I'm right here to report it, I, and I hopefully I won't be gone again. But he pitched in the minor leagues. He pitched in the Double A. This is this is so fucking exciting. I don't even know what his contract looks like, but hey, he's in the Double A pitching finally. So he allowed a run on a walk and a single in the first. So he started pretty shaky. He then retired the next six batters and had a streak of four uh, four consecutive strikeouts. So he only went three innings. He did give up one run. His fastball averaged around, I think, like 91 to 93, but he touched 95 a couple times. So uh, once again, probably hoping for Carlos Rondon. You know, he's been gone for so long. I've heard early July, I think mid-July. Okay. My expert opinion says mid-July because, you know, I talked <laughs> to Carlos Rondon. I'm, you know, massaging him. I'm getting those muscles, you know, while he's injured. So, believe me, mid-July. Okay. Yeah, I'll take your word. If you're massaging him, I think I'm going to take your word for it. Yeah, not Deshaun Watson massaging. Okay. But I'm actually I was going to ask that exact guy. question. I was going to ask if it was like a, a Deshaun or maybe a Robert Kraft. Oh, that's a good one. Good pull. Yeah, maybe a Robert Kraft <laughs> massage. Uh, but... The Rays, man, I I don't know about this one. They're, they're benching Wander Franco tonight, Thursday night, and Friday at least. Uh, Kevin oh. Cash says that the reason for this is the way that he has handled frustrating situations this year, and they're not happy with the attitude he's displaying. I get it. Okay, I understand this move. but I do too. But sitting him... Is that going to make him realize that he's doing something wrong, or is it going to make him frustrated with you? I don't know. I mean, that, that's a good point. I, But, like, you know, players like that, because it sounds like he's probably, you know, getting frustrated and just being like a total, you know, negative spot in the locker room, which that really sucks, and he should be punished. I don't – I don't really know if benching him is the right answer, but I also don't know if like finding him would be either. I don't know. Uh, so I'm reading the report right now. So Kevin Cash said, Wander's a really good kid and a really good person. He's a young player that is learning and dealing with the challenges of being a major league player and some of the frustrations that come with it. 
He said, over the course of this season, there's been probably multiple times that the way he has handled his frustrations has not been the way that we ask of our players to uphold being the best teammate. Uh, obviously, Cash didn't give any specifics, but did say that they're going to continue to support Wander as he works through this and that Kevin Cash personally is going to help as well as the organization and the staff to help him get back on the field and hopefully repair his attitude. Yeah. No, I mean, it sounds like, you know, they're they're committed to him. It, you know, they're talking positively about him. It's not like they're dwelling on what he's doing. You know, they want to see him get better. So that's that's good. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fine. Um, but, you know, benching a guy, I'm kind of surprised by this news. Like, I'm not... I'm not surprised that Wander Franco has a little bit of an attitude. I don't even know if it's an attitude problem. I, I think it's more just he doesn't know how to deal with not always succeeding because that's what he's done his entire career. Like yeah. since he was like 16, people have been talking about him and how great he is and how like how he's just going to be the best player once he gets to the MLB, and he has been phenomenal. But you're going to have your moments. Like that's just how the game works. So I think now that Wander is running into frustrations, especially this season, I'm sure we saw a lot more last season. Yeah. Um, and, and also not to mention, you know, uh, back in the era where he was flipping baseballs before he'd throw them over to first, you know, you had all the boomers jumping on his back too. And I'm sure that, you know, probably wasn't really good for his mental health either if he, you know, even cared. But, yeah, I mean, just just something else that probably could have added to it. Oh yeah, certainly. Um, some just some small news: the Cubs and Cardinals have touched down in London for this year's London series. Uh, that's going on this weekend. Kind of a shitty uh, series now that we're looking at it, because you would have thought, <laughs> you know, before the season, this would have been a pretty cool series to watch. But that's kind of changed. <laughs> Just a little bit, but I mean, hey, at least it's still like, you know, a historic rivalry that maybe Europeans have heard about. Probably knows? not. I mean, the, you don't think so? No, I don't think so. Well, I, okay, well then at least we can say that the Cubs are a good enough story, you know, in 2015 or 16, whenever that was, for Europeans to have heard about it. So there's probably a lot of Cub fans out there. There could be. I bet. I bet. But... Um, let's talk about these pot or uh, Pirate City Connect jerseys. They're atrocious. <laughs> we'll just start there. A- absolutely. Um, yep. not no pinstripe, no, no nothing. Uh, yeah, it's just yellow. <laughs> I was kind of hoping they'd take like um, maybe a Braves approach and honor um, a past player like Roberto Clemente. I was kind of yeah. hoping for that kind of approach. Um, but it pays homage to the city's bridges and exemplifies the city's shifting from the steel industry toward medicine and technology. Good for them. Good yeah. for Pittsburgh. <laughs> That's so fucking lame. <laughs> dude, it's so bad, dude. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, no, I can't make a case for it. No. Like, it I sucks. Can't. And what's up um, with what's up with the city connects just becoming a uh, an excuse to wear black pants? What's up right? Like There's everybody of- everybody that has debuted one this season except the Braves has worn black pants. Really? Yeah, you had the so the Mariners, 
the Rays, the Orioles, and now the Pirates. Wow. I know the Padres don't. Yeah, yeah. The Padres debuted theirs last year. Oh, okay. This year you're talking about. Yeah. Gotcha. I always forgot. It, it's so weird to me that, like, unlike any other um, league of any other sport, baseball decided to deliver like a collection of jerseys, but in different seasons. It wasn't like they just dropped the City Connect jersey. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of weird. It's hard to keep up with. Oh, also the Rangers black pants. Oh, yeah. Rangers one is just weird. It is, certainly. So Um, this is kind of – I'm just looking at an ESPN article ranking all the jerseys. Um, They have the Orioles in last, which is fine. I think it sucks. Uh, But – they have the Braves behind the Pirates. Ooh, that's wild. Like I, I don't, I don't like these Braves jerseys, but they're better than the Cubs and they're better than the Pirates. <laughs> write a letter. I might. Yeah, I might write one to my local senator. Get, <laughs> get June Lee fired from ESPN. <laughs> Um, if you have any more baseball news, go ahead because I have a Yankee rant. Oh, um, actually, go ahead. All right. Well, um, Hal Steinbrenner uh, came out and said some pretty profound things uh, yesterday, and I'm not too sure if you heard about it, Grayson. But uh, Hal Steinbrenner, obviously Steinbrenner family, it's it's yes. huge in the Yankees, right? said he is confused as to why Yankees fans are upset. Okay. Well, <laughs> let me spell it out for you. you. So <laughs> I don't care that we're on a two-game winning streak versus the Mariners. I mean, it feels amazing to us Yankees fans. But guess what? It's only two fucking games. The offense without Aaron Judge is it's a it is a literal joke. It, it is a it's a complete fucking joke. We have spent all this money on players only to fall short to the fucking Tampa Bay Rays wicked season that they're having, taking nothing away from them, but where the fuck did it come from? And the team that's behind them in Baltimore, who are these people? Why are they better than the Yankees? It's oh, It just, it infuriates me. The fact that he, he said that we are seven and nine in the month of June we went one and five versus the Red Sox in back-to-back weekends and don't even get me started on the jerseys that they wore when they kicked our ass. That ugly yellow-ass jersey <laughs> that they wore beat the Yankees. And, and that, that just made it so much worse. And, and let me, let me go let – let's, let's talk about some history. Let's talk about some history. 2022 ALCS got demolished by the Astros, made it that far. And got completely thrashed. Oh, 2019, who do we lose to in the ALC? Or, or yeah, ALCS, Astros again. 2017, to the Astros again. We've made the playoffs quite a lot recently. Nothing to fucking show for it. That's why Yankees fans are mad. You complete fucking nincompoop Hal Steinbrenner. I, I'm, we have such awesome players that we have so much money tied up into and they're all inconsistent except for one of them and that's the one that we dick ride it's i i (laughs) the yankees are a joke the yankees are a very good joke i think i i don't know that's why we're upset look 41 and 33 is not an issue no 
But my argument is it's it's not good enough. We haven't won the World Series in 14 years. And I know that's a lot more than other teams. But when you've done it so many times, you think, you know, you would start to know how to build dynasties and know how to build teams that can win back to back. But they can't. That's why we're upset. <laughs> it's yeah, I, it's I just it. it's remarkable, man. It, it's you, just so frustrating to be so consistently not enough. So you mean to tell me you're not happy that Josh Donaldson is supposed to be helping lead you to a World Series? <laughs> is that what I'm hearing? You're not Way happy too that much Jake money tied up in that guy. <laughs> you're not happy that Jake Bowers is your starting left fielder. Yeah, it keep keep going. <laughs> no, I, I, you're, I everything you're saying is right. <laughs> dude, looking at the rest of them, like I don't even have a problem with it. Like, yeah, Stanton is Stanton. Harrison Bader has been decent, but inconsistent. Anthony Volpe is young, so I kind of give him a break. Uh, Glaber Torres I'll always have a hatred for, and he's really <laughs> slowed down since the start of the season. Uh, and then Rizzo, yeah, he's leading your team in batting average, uh, but it's a two sixty six. That's an issue. Yeah, and it's that. that's my Yankees rant. Uh, yeah, I have nothing else to say. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, okay. Well, I just remembered I do have something else. Rob Manfred. Uh-oh. We, me and him, were getting along for a little bit now. <laughs> we, we've been getting along. But he ruined it. He went, he went and ruined it. He said, what do you do? now, now he's going to say this. In June of 2023, that in retrospect, he probably should have banned or suspended some Astros players. Wh- what? Yep. Yep, he is retrospectively saying that he should have, uh, uh, you know, issued suspensions. <laughs> I say anything at all now. Yeah, yeah, like you could have <laughs> just left it alone. <laughs> yeah, that was dumb. But instead, you let this team essentially get away with it. Oh no, they changed managers to a, a legendary fucking baseball manager. And Rusty Baker. Oh, no. Like, A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora and Carlos Beltran all had to get different jobs. No. Dude, fucking Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa and George Springer and Bregman. It, literally every single person on that lineup. Evan Gaddis straight up getting drunk and saying it on Twitter. <laughs> that they were cheating. Like, it couldn't have been more obvious especially at this point that we're at, as well as he had a full offseason to do something about it. Because if you don't remember, it came out the week that the Nationals beat them in the World Series in 2019. That's when The Athletic released that article, knowing damn well that people were paying attention to baseball because it had just wrapped up and people needed to see something. And we still did nothing. And Rob Manfred still, to this day did nothing, and now he wants to be like, oh, you know, I probably should have done something about it. Like, what the fuck? He he literally said, in quotes, maybe not my best decision ever. Like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> uh, brutal. I, I don't... It's It's just... Th- that Astros team, for one, in my opinion, was already good enough to win the World Series without banging on trash cans. 
but they affected so many teams by cheating. Yeah, it, it's just it's so I, I can't believe they didn't get punishment then, and I can't believe that he's saying he should have done it in 2023. It's stupid. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And, like, it doesn't help that, you know, back in 2020, called the World Series Trophy a piece of metal. Like, shit like that is just fucking ridiculous. And, like, these are all quotes from him that he told to Time Magazine. Uh, there are some decisions that I would like to have back. There's absolutely no question about that. Some of the decisions surrounding the Houston situation would like to have those back. I mean, if I could take back... The rather flip comment I made about the World Series trophy at one time, I'd take that one back. There have been there have been times, particularly in times of pressure, when I look back, taking a little more time might have led to a different outcome. Well, then why didn't you? Why did you not take more time? Because I feel like it was a pretty quick decision to just do nothing to the Astros. Yeah. All you did was suspend the GM, Jeff Lunau, and the manager, A.J. Hinch, for the entire 2020 season. And as soon as A.J. Hinch's suspension was up, he got a job with the Tigers. Yep. It just doesn't make any sense. No. Not at all. But I'm done. Damn, we both ended in rants there. This is an angry podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when is it not? <laughs> fuck the Yankees and fuck Rob Manfred. Yeah. That's basically all you need to know. Fuck yeah. Also, in case you were wondering, uh, in the NBA, which we never talk about, Victor Wembanyama did go first overall, um, and Brandon Miller went second overall out of Alabama to the Charlotte Hornets. Wow. I, I'm surprised that uh, his um, first pitch at the Yankee game didn't like knock him down to like a fourth pick or something. Yeah, that was brutal. That would have made me take Scoot Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> all right but let's talk weekend preview in the mlb the we've got a couple of really good series this weekend oh my god i just in the top of the fourth seattle's winning eight to nothing over the yankees <laughs> oh but i don't know why we're we're it, i'm it, <laughs> fuck <laughs> I, 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 dude see how i'm stuttering man but but he's confused as to why i'm stuttering and why i'm so upset <laughs> <laughs> um, look i gotta be honest i don't think i've ever heard you snap like that <laughs> yeah, that was a little bit i might have to check myself in somewhere <laughs> i don't think i've ever done that either <laughs> oh man okay well let's talk about this weekend get your mind off the yankees uh we've got a, a series that i'm gonna be paying close attention to obviously because it's a brave series but because we're playing the Reds. Braves-Reds this weekend. It's going to be phenomenal. Just so much excitement on the field. We get on Friday, Atlanta starter, A.J. Smith-Shaver, the, the budding young superstar, I believe. He's been very good uh, through his first couple of games. And then um, on Saturday, we have Jared Schuster on the mound for the Braves. And on Sunday, Charlie Morton, I'm so excited to watch Ellie De La Cruz play against my team. Uh, dude, it the Braves have so many entertaining players. And obviously, you know, with what we've covered from the Reds, so do they. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be an awesome series. I have a couple here I'm looking at. Um, 
You did tell me to get my mind off the Yankees, but Yankees and Rangers is probably going to be a pretty good one um, this weekend. I'm pretty excited for that. Uh, D-backs Giants is going to be really good, and Astros and Dodgers, super, super good games. Yeah, yeah, I think one of my favorites outside of the Braves series has got to be Diamondbacks Giants. Um, oh, for both sure. of these teams just absolute <clears throat> fireballs right now, and you know the Giants now that they've made that jump up into second place, maybe they're looking to get greedy, get up to first. Yeah, and I mean I'll go ahead and say it: Cubs Cardinals in London. It's what's going to be on prime time anyway, so might as well make the most out of it. And I mean it's still Fair cool. enough. Yeah, and then um, yeah, Astros Dodgers, like you said, it's always a good one. Yes, but I think that's going to do it for the MLB. All right, man, that was entertaining. It was. <laughs> Let's get a little one. more entertaining. NFL, we're kicking it off. It's crime time, baby. Let's do it. Second episode in a row because last week, <laughs> boy, did we have some? Or actually, on Wednesday's episode, did we have some crime to talk about with Jack Jones and all that stuff? Well, now we got Tyreek Hill. Oh, God, this story is wild. So he allegedly hit a marina employee the other day. Uh, he supposedly got into a disagreement with this employee. It resulted in Hill allegedly hitting this man. Sources say that Hill and his friends were trying to harpoon fish for tarpon from the dock of this marina, and tarpons are a protected species in Florida. Uh, the group also allegedly boarded a boat without permission, leading to the alleged incident. Boat employees told cops that Hill said, I can buy you and the boat, and I'm number 10 with the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> or Zuna from the Braves. Yeah, dude, exactly. It's literally <laughs> the exact same thing. It's literally like number, <laughs> like Marcelo Zuna saying what number he wears with the Braves. Like, it's the same shit. It's a good way to identify to law enforcement who you are and how yeah. much money you make. Um, Tyreek Hill, you make way too much money to hit employees at a marina. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but what makes this a little bit more interesting is typically your agent is the guy who isn't there when things like this happen and he has to cover your ass. Drew Rosenhaus was there. Wow. Yeah, he posted something about, uh, you know, before all this came out that he was fishing with Tyreek Hill. It's kind of funny. Yeah, which is just so weird. <laughs> it's very strange. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this <clears throat> whole like situation is weird, and like, um, I know this isn't really connected to this story exactly, but um, I don't know what, uh, like who it was that did it, but they asked Tua like, or like they asked a couple of Dolphins players like, who do you not want to like babysit your kids? And and to us at Tyreek Hill, um, that one's got a bad history. Yeah. And then later this week, the same week that they put that video out, he's out here hitting people. Like, it's such inexcusable behavior. Yeah. Imagine if they took Tua's son to the marina, <laughs> like like Tua Tua left him with Uncle Tyreek. Yeah. Tyreek out here punching people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Lord. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, I, like, I don't even have anything else to say about this. It's just it's just stupid. It's a stupid thing to do. 
It's something that everybody is aware that they shouldn't do. Yep. And, you know, from what it seems like, which, you know, we haven't really gotten Tyreek's side, but it kind of just seems like this Marina employee was telling him what the deal was, and then it just escalated, and it yep. resulted in Tyreek hitting him. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't... I don't know, you know, there's probably other details that are going to come out, but at the moment, this looks really bad for Tyreek Hill. Yeah, horrible. It looks bad for the Dolphins, too. Yeah, it, it does. Um, but let's move on to this, because there's a possibility of the two best free agents on the market right now, DeAndre Hopkins and Dalvin Cook, teaming up. Dalvin said, if we end up on the same roster, that would be something epic for the NFL. If they end up on the same team, dude. Oh my god. That's what I'm saying. Um I that's already I mean, that's already a top ten offense. Yeah. Them two on the field. It, it that would be just lights out. And even with like a like a maybe a system quarterback, that could still be pretty fucking dangerous. Oh, certainly. Like, you know, maybe let's say uh let's say Saquon and the Giants don't get this thing settled. How about that? Yeah. DeAndre and Dalvin on the Giants? What, that would not be that bad for the Giants to lose Saquon for that. I mean, yeah. that, it sucks to lose Saquon, but you're not only replacing him, but adding D-Hop. Yeah. Or the Raiders don't get this thing settled with Josh Jacobs. Yep. Put him over oh there with God, Devontae, Devontae Adams, Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, and Dalvin uh, Cook. Drop low <laughs> and play to fuck it up. Oh, yeah, of, of course. If he's even <laughs> on the field. Yeah. Uh, but let's move on to this. Uh, I I really want to talk about this. So Ian Rappaport tweeted out the six key rules the NFL <clears> is pushing <throat> on the gambling policy. Obviously, a big deal. Uh, we found out earlier this week that there is a player that had $8 million in gambling debts last year. Wow. Uh, we don't know who it is yet, but uh, Pro Football Talk does have a name. They just won't release it yet. But let's run through these six key rules for all NFL players. First rule, don't bet on the NFL. Easy enough. Well, you'd think. I think I could not bet on the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. But if I played in the NFL, I'm sure I couldn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I feel like that one's pretty easy. And then don't gamble at your team facility while traveling for a road game or staying at a team hotel. Pretty simple. Just, really, the only time you should be gambling is in the sanctity of your own home. Yes. Fair enough. All right. Don't have someone bet for you. Yeah. Makes sense. Yep. Okay. Don't share team inside information. Duh. I feel like that's yeah. pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. Don't give away the playbooks. And then this one's kind of weird. Don't enter a sports book during the NFL playing season. Okay. Okay. So. Let's just say hypothetically, it's uh, October, and you're in Lake Charles, Louisiana. I don't know why the fuck you're in Lake Charles, Louisiana as an NFL player in October, (laughs) but you want to bet on the MLB playoffs, and you want to go and, you know, see everything, maybe watch some games as well, so you go into... Um, Barstool's Sportsbook in Lake Charles, and you throw down a bet on the MLB. 
what the fuck does that affect the NFL at all? Yeah, I don't know. Like that's just so weird. <clears throat> if you're no, gonna, if you're gonna let, sport. yeah, like it, it's just any sports book you can't go in. Like that's insane. Wow. Because you're telling them you can't bet on the NFL, you can't do it at a team facility, you can't have somebody bet for you, and you can't share inside information. Why can't I go into a sports book and bet on a different sport then? I, I agree. I, I don't know why. Are, are they trying to say that that it's you know people would go to a sports book because theoretically they could make it untraceable? Like yes, but it's not really untraceable at all. Yeah, yeah. And like all this shit, like it's so dumb. And then it says don't play daily fantasy football. That's pretty oh, obvious. A lot of players too. already do that. I don't think they play daily because daily fantasy football is where you like. Make bets like like prize picks is technically oh, like okay. a, a fantasy app, but like you can play like ESPN fantasy football. Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> yeah, like so much of this is so like it's so obvious, but then y- you're trying to stop them from doing all this shit, but they're still allowed to gamble. Yeah, it's it's so weird to me, man. I don't get it. Yeah, but it, the problem is is that they haven't given this warning before. <laughs> that's that's like like what? Yeah, they've they've pretty much let a lot of people get fucked. I mean, obviously, you know, they shouldn't have been betting to begin with, but it just wasn't ever clear until it was too late for a lot of really, you know, top guys. Yeah, well like Jamison Williams, I think got fucked like the hardest here because he didn't know of the rule that you can't bet at your team facility. He wasn't betting on the NFL because he knew he couldn't do that. But he yeah. didn't know that he couldn't gamble at the team facility. He probably just hopped on his phone because he was, you know, not busy and was like, oh, I'm going to bet on this NBA game. Like, that's that's insane that he got in trouble for that. I wonder how he even got busted. That, yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like, how did people just figure that out and start an investigation? Yeah, I don't know, but uh, they also released more details on Rule One of don't bet on the NFL. So don't ever bet on any NFL game, not even one dollar. Your team's games, another team's games, outcome, points scored, parlay, prop, future bets on NFL cannot do it, and that includes all NFL events such as NFL Draft, Combine, Pro Bowl, NFL Flag events, and NFL Honors. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, and then more details on rule two, which is don't gamble at work, including from your phone. Don't bet on anything when you're at the team's facility or stadium, including the parking lot, on a team road trip, team plane, bus, car, team hotel, or on any other team business. In summary, don't bet on anything while at work. Gotcha. I just feel like you're doing this a little late. That's my biggest issue. Yep. Like, this is something, this is a memo that should be sent out as soon as you sign an NFL contract. In today's game, yes. Yeah. Like but it, with how much of betting has become, you know, such a huge driver for sports in, in general, it, it really, you know, needs to be something that's very, very, you know, 
bolded, underlined, highlighted, you know, kind of thing, I feel like, for players coming into the league now. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, or now than never, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, but let's move on to this. Um, Alec Ogletree, linebacker, announced that he is retiring from the NFL after nine seasons. He's always been, like, pretty good, I, I feel like, at least. Um, he made an AP second team uh, in 2016 with the Rams, spent time with the, uh, obviously, in St. Louis and then L.A. with the Rams, and then New York uh, with the Giants and then the Jets, uh, and then finished his career in 2021 with the Bears. Didn't make a team last year, but Alec Ogletree was always just kind of a solid linebacker. Yeah, uh, whenever I remember when he first came in with the Rams, he really was not that bad. Um, he's a dog, too. Always, you know, show love to my Georgia Bulldogs. But, uh, yeah, uh, just a kind of a bummer. But my favorite Alec Ogletree moment, look up his fight versus Odell Beckham Jr. Incredible. Incredible brawl. <laughs> what year was that? Uh, he was on the Rams and Odell was on the Giants and there was like, I mean, like benches cleared That's funny. and it happened in the bench too, like on the sideline. It was insane. That's kind of funny that they were teammates in 2018. <clears throat> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Um, I had no idea that even happened. I, yeah, I'm probably, I was probably aware. Way. I was probably aware at the time, but definitely don't remember it. Yeah, no, definitely go check that out. But congrats to Alec Ogletree on a, a pretty solid career. Yeah, and uh, hopefully, sure. I feel like he's a guy that could probably end up coaching in the future. Yeah, I do too. But news from Adam Schefter. There is no trade market for Trey Lance. If Brock Purdy is the starter, sorry, if Brock Purdy is healthy, he is the starter. And Sam Darnold has the edge at the quarterback two role with the 49ers. So Schefter dropping a 49ers bomb on the Pat McAfee show. I'm not too surprised by the first two things, but Darnold having an edge at QB2 is wild. I Honestly, I, I'm surprised that there's not a market for Lance, and I'm not surprised that Darnold has the edge. Well, I, I feel like if Darnold does have the edge, that would open up a trade market for Lance. Yes. Because what's the use yeah. in having him as your QB3? Like, I, I get it. Well, they, they ended up having to get to that point last year. But a guy like Trey Lance should not be your QB3. He's a guy that has value, and you might as well get something out of him. I, I kind of thought – I read it as that no one would want him, not like from the 49ers' point of view. I was looking at it from be. the league's yeah. point of view. I, I don't understand why the league – why some teams wouldn't want to trade for Trey Lance, right? I mean – yeah. Maybe even like the Jets, because they have Aaron Rodgers now, who's you know old. Don't know how long he's has left. Maybe they go for you know Trey Lance or something like that. Who knows? But I definitely can see Darnold having the edge over Trey Lance, though for sure. Yeah, I think the Seahawks would be a good one. <clears throat> yeah, Seahawks would be good since they didn't get Anthony Richardson in the draft like you told them to. Yeah, I specifically told them to, and I hope they regret it at some point. They will. <laughs> But let's move on to this. Saquon and the Giants have resumed contract talks. Supposedly, a long-term contract is in the books. But how long-term? Is it long-term as in, like, long-term? Or is it long-term, like, running back long-term? Like, three years? I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? 
it's probably got to be like four years, I would say. Five at the most. Yeah. I, I really don't know, like, you know, what realm he's going to be in because, you know, does he deserve to be like the highest paid running back? Oh, man. That's a good question. I, I think, you know what? I'm going to say yes. With his age and his just ability to play, you know, receiver and, you know, just your standard running back, I think so. I really think he does. Okay. Yeah. Especially, uh, you know, on top of the fact, if you want to take into account that he plays in the biggest sports market in America. Mm -hmm. So, you think? Yeah. Like, I don't know, because at the moment, um, you know, though he's franchise tagged right now, he was uh, so him, him, Tony Pollard, and Josh Jacobs. Uh, though him and Josh Jacobs haven't signed their franchise tags, they'd all be seventh at the moment uh, amongst running backs at ten million dollars. And then right ahead of them, Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones at twelve million dollars. And then the top four: Chubb with twelve point two, Derrick Henry at twelve point five. And then a big jump, Alvin Kamara at fifteen a year, and Chris McCaffrey at six, just over sixteen million a year. I don't know if I'd give Saquon more than more than fifteen, because I feel like if Alvin Kamara is making fifteen, then Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb should probably be making more. But at the moment, it seems like fifteen would be the number to me for Saquon. Yeah. At least 15, I think. And yeah. I just wanted to clarify, when I talked about market, I meant that he plays in New York. I don't really oh, know yeah, if I yeah, described yeah. that. Okay, cool. But I don't know. I, I feel like he could deserve it. I think Austin Eckler is widely underpaid. Now that I'm looking at it, he's only getting $6 million a year. <laughs> I, it's the Chargers, man. That's all it's I crazy. can say. It's crazy. I mean, do, do you think Eckler deserves to be top five? Uh... Ooh. I mean, his receiving yards were stupid last year. Yeah, I'd probably throw him in. I'd put him right at five. I'd put him right above Joe Mixon. Really, like, I'd theoretically, I'd take Alvin Kamara out of the top five. But, yeah, I'd probably throw – and, like, also, like, Dalvin Cook, not under contract right now. He has a case yeah. um, to be up there. Obviously, Saquon, and I feel like Austin Eckler, but otherwise – I don't think anybody deserves to be up that high. Yeah, see that. Uh, but the next thing, and I don't know if you saw this because I feel like it kind of went under the radar, but the the Lions revealed their new alternate helmets. Uh, it's an ode to the classic Lions logo as well as the classic Ford Mustang logo. Uh, and they're going to wear it two I, times this season. I did actually see that. Um, I think it looks weird. Awesome. <laughs> I, I like it though. It, it's paying a good respect to, yeah, you know, like yeah. the, the automotive industry of Detroit and all that. But man, I hope we get to see it on Thanksgiving. That's all I got to say. Uh, I, I hope believe, one of those two times. I believe it's week eight and week 18. Week eight going to be Thanksgiving? Maybe. I have no idea. Let me, wait, let me check. I don't know either. I, I don't know why I'm not just looking. <laughs> <laughs> we are at our laptops. A fair point. Uh, no, mm -hmm. week eight is the end of October. Okay. It's a bummer, but it, I mean, it seems like the NFL is, um, as well as, you know, other leagues becoming more, um, more into like the, I guess like the fashion side of like, you know, how people like to dress their jerseys and stuff. Like 
you're seeing like the creamsicle Buccaneers jersey comes uh, is coming back, the Kelly Green Eagles jersey. Like, I feel like the NFL is really starting to pay to – they're starting to give the fans what they want uniform-wise, I think, or just, you know, trying to go out there with yeah, certain stuff. Yeah, I would say that they're the furthest behind, though. Well, 100%. Like yeah, the MLB is so it leaps and bounds ahead of them, and I'd say the NBA is leaps and bounds ahead of the MLB when it comes to fashion and and um, like alternate jerseys. I, I feel like the NFL certainly doesn't utilize them enough. Yeah, the NFL is um, a little bit too traditional, I think, in that aspect. Yeah, yeah, I agree. What else All we right. got? Um, let's talk a couple dark horses for a Super Bowl this year. Oh, I'm gonna piss you off with this one. <laughs> okay, that, I'm not I'll excited go, I, now. You know what? One, two, three, Cowboys. Oh, come on! You okay. don't stop lying. I stop understand lying that this will never happen, but I think they have been a dark horse for years now. You can't tell me that that, that their offense is good. Go watch the divisional game versus the 49ers. If Dak plays well, they win. It's all up to him. And that's why I think it's a dark horse is because they they have the talent. I, I'm sorry. I truly believe that the Cowboys have the talent. It's the quarterback play in clutch situations or really just all the time that is not consistent enough to get them there. But they are more than talented too. Okay. Yeah, look, I get it. They have the talent. But will it execute? Because it seems like it never does. No, it, it never does. But you know what? Super Bowl dark horse. All right, I got I got two for you. First, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I actually did not write down the Jaguars. Uh, I feel like there's something there. Like I, I feel like what we saw last year wasn't just like it wasn't the best that we'll see from them. It's certainly going to get better. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to get better. I think Travis Etienne is going to get phenomenally better. Like, absolutely crazy jump from what we saw, which was already a great year last year. And then I think they made some good additions to the defense. They had a good draft. Like, overall, I I feel like the Jaguars are trending in the right direction. And if, if Trevor Lawrence takes the same kind of step from that he did from last year or the year before last to last year, if he takes that same step to this year, it's going to be real hard to beat him. Especially with Calvin Ridley too. Yeah. Um, that's that's going to be probably the biggest thing for me. And you know what's funny? I, I agree with everything you just said. I just don't think for next season they would be a Super Bowl dark horse for me. I, I think it's going to take a little bit more time. But like you said, trending in the right direction – um, made the right acquisitions in the offseason. They're, they're going to – they're only up from here. I just yeah. don't think for next season. Yeah, and then this next one I've got, I, <laughs> I'd i probably say they're trending in the wrong direction uh, when you look at the, the structure of this team, but I still think the Chargers are a phenomenal team, and I think they have the ability to go far. There's just a couple of players that they're really going to be counting on to turn their shit around. Okay, yep. Uh, the Chargers – I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I can really get behind the Chargers yet. Just because, like, I know it's kind of been a reoccurring theme for them, but may, maybe it's just because we do the podcast and we cover it more. But, like, I just feel like their offseason is more jumbled than it ever has been before. And I, I feel like it's not as good of an environment as we think. So I also did not have them on my list. But I have a couple of other ones. 
Yeah, like I, I feel like the the Chargers could go either way. They could like they could win a Super Bowl, or like Brandon Staley's going to get fired like week four. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, I have a couple of interesting ones. Um, the Giants. Yeah, I think I, I, you, you know, know you know I'm I'm down for that pick. <laughs> I, I know you are. They're um. Got that that white boy man, that dual threat quarterback back there, Daniel Jones. He he's absolutely phenomenal, truly. It, it, the more that his throwing gets right, I the 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 world is his oyster, truly. Um, I also have the the Dolphins on here. Um, I think they're going to be very talented. I've heard Dalvin Cook to the Dolphins. You know, we, he's been seen at the stadium. That would just be stupid if he ended up on the Dolphins. Um, I have Baltimore on here. Of course, Baltimore, hate to say it, a very good team, but I would still call them a Super Bowl dark horse because I haven't really ever felt with as good of a team they've been that they've ever really been a Super Bowl contender recently. Yeah. And then I have the Lions and the Jets on my list. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, are the Jets a dark horse? And and I debated with that too, but – I guess for me, it's kind of more of their history that makes them a dark yeah, horse. Yeah, like, I agree. But but maybe that's you know not really fair for this list. But I threw them on there anyway. Because like the way I see it, the the true Super Bowl contenders this year, of course, the Chiefs and the Eagles, 49ers, Bengals. I'd probably still say the Bills are, and then I feel like the Jets would be the next one. Yeah, you didn't mention a lot of NFC teams. I noticed. Uh, yes, you're correct. <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to see Eagles 49ers again. Really? Yeah. I I you don't I, I don't Seahawks? think I, I like I lo- I like the Seahawks. I I I even like the Cowboys for next year, honestly. But and, and I like the Vikings too. They they could be a team that people would be surprised by. I just don't think they're versatile enough. <coughs> yeah. But um when I'm looking at the top 49ers Eagles is just so like easy to say that that's going to be the NFC Championship game. Like we saw how well the Eagles, you know, though they lost quite a few pieces, how well they did at keeping a good amount of great players on that roster: Darius Slay, James Bradbury, um, uh, AJ, or sorry, yeah, AJ Brown. I know people talked about him. Like everything fell into place and it seems to have remained and they made some good additions as well. They made good changes though. They lost Javon Hargrave. They had a great, they had a great draft that bolsters the defensive line and they just made so many good pickups that I absolutely love that. I feel like that we're just going to see them right back where they were last year. I, I, I kind of unfortunately agree with you, but Deandre Swift, man, he's going to flourish with that Eagles yeah. team. I, I, I feel like, Jalen Hurts is the perfect quarterback to suit his running back style, and it's just going to be filthy. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um, let me just go. Let me just be a homer real quick. I think the Falcons could surprise people early. Uh, I don't see them making a Super Bowl, but playoff team, maybe get a playoff win. Yeah. yeah. I, I would honestly like – if I'm a Falcons fan, I would like to see four people rush at least three or four times every game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they're loaded there. Might as well use them. Yeah, a lot of running backs. Like, at some point, it's going to become Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier. 
Uh, and I have a feeling that'll be very early in the season that that'll be established. I don't know who's going to be the best, honestly. Yep. And, and honestly, they could end up being very equal. But yeah, uh, I think those two will be the front runners there. Kyle Pitts is going to come back healthy, whether at the beginning of the season or just a few weeks in. Drake London's going to continue to play his game. It just d- depends on how Arthur Smith game plans with a quarterback like Desmond Ritter. Because, uh, honestly, Desmond Ritter's skill set is hand the ball off or throw 10, 10 or less yards. Uh, I, I yeah. feel like the short pass is going to be the key to victory outside of our running game. Because the running game is going to set us up very well. Uh, I'm confident in that. But you can't just run the ball every single play. That's what the Titans do. And obviously I know Arthur Smith kind of started that with him. But I feel like integrating the short passes with Kyle Pitts just being such a big force of nature and then Drake London being very good in short game, like very good at a curl route. Just I love his ability within 10 yards. So I think that a lot of this serves itself very well for the Falcons to be successful. I have a hot take on Drake London that I just thought of, and this will uh, this kind of goes to last season, and I think you might agree with me. I don't know if most people would, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Drake London with a better quarterback could have probably been better than like Garrett Wilson last year. Um, Yeah. yeah. I, I seriously think so. Drake London is phenomenal. Yeah, he is very good, and I think we underrate his ability to play the deep ball and, and show off his vertical because he didn't really get the opportunity to, and he probably won't really much this year because Desmond Ritter just doesn't have that kind of arm. But uh, I think that he is a phenomenal player, and the, the fact that he's already showed his versatility in this pretty small sample size that we saw in his rookie year, like I'm, I'm so happy with what I've seen. Yes. Uh, Falcons fans are they, they should be excited things are on the come up yeah all right any others oh man I, I think I'm ready to push on to the to the soccer news man yeah we've got quite the quite the amount of soccer stuff to talk about so let's get it started CONCACAF Nations League the semifinal USA 3 Mexico 0 good god was this game just absolutely insane well first of all the the Americans have owned um, Mexico and soccer for, for a while now in major competitions. It's, it's actually, it's kind of sad, but um, man, I was surprised what I saw from the States, man. I, I know they had a good world cup, but I did not realize like how much like the culture on the pitch has changed. If that makes sense. Like we, we play like a really, really physical, decent South American team. You know, it, it doesn't look like American soccer, which I know sounds like kind of bad, but it, it's it, it's seriously picking up. And it's so fun to watch. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I feel like this lineup, the, the biggest part to me is the addition of Falaire and Balogun. Like, I absolutely what love what he adds to this team as a striker, because I feel like that's somewhere where we were just like, it was a position we were just kind of missing in the world cup. Yep. And with Tim Weah on the right, Pulisic on the left, who just always steps up for America. Uh, obviously P- 
picked up a brace in this one. Gio Reyna with the new hair, just playing pretty goddamn good at Cam. Weston McKinney defending his nation, getting a red card. Uh, but <laughs> that um, moment was sick, by the way. Dude. Oh yeah, absolutely insane. But still playing a great game. Eunice Musa is one of my favorites on this team to watch play. I, I love his style. And then Serginho Dest defending the country that I don't even think he was born in. <laughs> I, I'm I'm like ninety percent sure he wasn't. It's it's absolutely incredible. And and Dest is probably one of my favorite players on this team. Um, yeah. And what was just crazy, you know, going back and watching the highlights of this USA Mexico is the United States had completely mentally demolished Mexico. And I mean, if you go back and watch the highlights, the, the Mexican team is at the end of the game and really just at the start of the second half is just taking hacks at the United States players. And, you know, from a soccer player's point of view, that's exactly what you want if you're in the lead is when the other team starts doing that, that's when you just pile it on. And that's what the United States did. They ended up getting a brace and making it three nil. Um, uh, but yeah, there was a crazy foul on desk too. And I mean, even the commentator was saying that, you know, Mexico's out for blood and, and they truly were, they were, uh, they were not happy losing to the States like that. Yeah. So um, we saw a total of what four reds uh, issued in this one, all direct reds, not, not two yellows. Uh, Cesar Montez in the 69th, uh, Weston McKinney in the 71st, and then Gerardo Artiega and Serginho Dest in the 86th as well, um, as Edson Alvarez, Chris Richards, and Guillermo Ochoa also in the 86th getting yellows. Pulisic gets a yellow in the 89th. Um, you know, back earlier in the game, Miles Robinson and Anthony Robinson booked on uh, the 60th and 63rd. Uh, Israel Reyes and Santiago Jimenez in the 59th and 60th for Mexico. Like, just yellow cards all over the place. And actually, really the first big event in the game in the 37th minute was Uriel Antuna getting our yellow card, getting it all started off uh, just as <laughs> Christian Pulisic scored his first goal of the match. But uh, a great performance from Ricardo Pepe off the bench, uh, picking himself up a goal. Yes. Um, yeah. I absolutely love what we're seeing from our – talent that is growing outside of America. That's the biggest part here to me. Like we obviously saw the goals from Pulisic. We had a great game from Faler and Balogun. We had a great game from Gio Reyna. Tim Weah looked great. Ricardo Pepe off the bench who's playing uh, in, in the Netherlands. Like I am so happy with what I'm seeing. And also the players that are playing domestically like Miles Robinson with Atlanta United, he's been a great center back for this team and um you know he's really the only one that's playing in America right now that's making this starting lineup and I'm totally fine with that yeah me too um and it was a real bummer that Miles Robinson didn't get to play in the World Cup in November obviously you know with that injury but it's so awesome to see him back in the red white and blue you know playing his heart out for us and still being like an MLS kid and being a local kid with Atlanta United. So it's um very cool there. And Weston McKinney, man, I wanted to go back to that moment and you just can't help but think that the prim probably hardened him up. And that's kind of what I wanted to go back to with what you mentioned is like not only tactically, but mentally, I feel like you can tell that, you know, there have been Americans that are playing in Europe now and they're, you know, making starting 11s in Europe or getting subbed on at least. And it's just, uh, 
it's it's a great time to be a soccer fan in America. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like I, I couldn't be happier. And the only thing that did make me happier was our performance against Canada in the championship. Um, a a two uh, nil victory. A goal coming from Falaren Balligan, his first goal for the United States, um, as well as a goal. Sorry, I totally. It's Richards. Yes. From Richards. Uh, just great stuff. Gio Reyna assisting on both of those goals had a phenomenal game. And a couple of the lineup changes I really liked as well in this one. Obviously, they had to sit Weston McKinney due to his red card. Brendan Aronson played great. They kind of shifted around this formation um, to a, a 4 3 3. Um, and it worked very well. I think Eunice Musa plays fantastic when he is in the center of the field. He like the ball runs through him and it works very well. Uh Gio Reyna played phenomenally, of course. Pulisic and Weah didn't see as much action as they did in the last one, but they both still looked great. The defense was just phenomenal. Uh Matt Turner had a great game in goal, four saves. I mean, a great game against Mexico too. And it's yeah. just I, I can't believe how well the United States played against Mexico and Canada. Like a clean sheet in a semifinal and then in the final. You outscored both of those games five to nothing total. It's it's brilliant stuff that I don't feel like a lot of people are talking about. And this Balligan kid, dude, the timing of Gio Reyna on this ball and the timing of Balligan on the run, and not only that, the strength to hold off the Canadian defender as well to get his first goal. I mean, there are seriously some stuff going on in America with soccer. And not to mention, you're going into a final with two red cards from Destin McKinney, who I would argue are both important players on this team. I mean, shit, it's two of the players that are playing on, you know, well, Dest is with Barcelona and, you know, the other is with Leeds. Of course, Leeds isn't a big team, but well, still. Now he's with Juventus. Like, now he's with you back with Juventus. But it's just like, even with two red cards, the team looked exactly the same against Canada. I mean, they weren't wavered at all from yeah. the Mexican game. Yeah, Joseph Scali stepped in it right back to replace Sergio Dest. He's playing for Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, in Germany. He had a pretty solid game. Um, you know, nothing to really be mad at. Four clearances. Uh, he had an interception. Um, you know, really wasn't losing much, though he wasn't winning tackles. Uh, played very well. Uh, drew a couple of fouls, and then Brendan Aronson, like you said, played just a great game. He did his thing. You know, he isn't always going to be part, uh, you know, creating chances, but decent passing, not great, not as good as we are used to, but a successful dribble, a few passes into the final third, uh, an accurate long ball, like uh, the small things that Brendan Aronson does help this team succeed. Oh, 100%. And and I just wanted to kind of speak on the broader picture here. We need, as a world, to start putting respect on North American soccer because you saw how intense the rivalry between USA and Mexico was in the semifinal. That's kind of what it has looked like in recent years. And you have also teams like Canada who just played in their first World Cup, and now they're playing against the United States in the final here. It's just like the the Westerners are getting better, man. And I, I'm very excited to be a part of this era because it's it's so entertaining to watch. And, and Canada... Canada's not that bad. It's just the United States is just really that good right now. I mean, it's the United States' second title in a row of this um, championship. They looked fun. 
defensively structured, sound goalkeeping from Matt Turner. Set pieces were always dangerous from them, it seemed like. Offensively, they were dangerous with timing runs. And most importantly, the United States is such a physical team to play against. And I love that. I, I mean, I could talk on and on about this United States team, truly. Yeah, they've been absolutely phenomenal. They find themselves 13th in FIFA's world rankings. Uh, they're the third best team uh, on this side of the Atlantic, only behind Argentina in first and Brazil in third in the world. So finding themselves at 13 is nothing to scoff at. They're ahead of Germany, obviously ahead of Mexico, ahead of teams like Uruguay, Colombia, Senegal, Denmark, like some, some solid teams uh, internationally that they're ahead of. Obviously, the European teams are going to have the edge. Teams like Switzerland, they just play harder opponents. It earns them more points in FIFA's world rankings, of course. But this U.S. team is going to continue to surge up the boards because North American soccer, like you said, has gotten so much better. Art, like People would argue and say that, oh, Mexico's not playing well. They're playing well. The U.S. is better. Canada is better. And it just seems like, this is the way it goes now. Like, we we aren't gonna get respect on the international level until we do it in the World Cup. And, and unfortunately, Canada, Mexico, and the United States, who are the primary three that will represent us in most World Cups, just haven't gotten it done there. Yeah, exactly. But um, it's just um, I, I'm just happy to be a part of the journey, man. I, I'm enjoying it now. I don't even care that, you know, the United States really isn't in like semifinals of the World Cup or even quarterfinals. Like this is just fun to be a part of. Yeah, it, it really is. And I'm excited, uh, you know, with us being able to um, participate in uh, what is it? The Are we participating in the Copa America? Uh, I think the United States does. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like we're hosting it. I, I could be wrong, but um Nonetheless, we have the CONCACAF Gold Cup starting up um, later this month. Actually, in two days, um, we play Jamaica. But I'm just, I'm so excited to watch this team play. Like, it's going to be so much fun. I'm I'm the most excited to watch full Aaron Balligan throughout this tournament. Really show off why it's such a big deal that he came to the United States over England. And, and uh, I believe one other country. But... Yeah, I'm I'm so excited to watch this US team. Me too. And I think they can win the Gold Cup. Oh yeah, for sure. Definitely. All right. Well, let's talk UEFA now. Um we'll start with actually yeah, we'll start with the third place match. I, I'm not I don't really care too much about the semifinals and stuff. Uh we'll start with the third place match. Italy versus Netherlands. Italy takes it three two in a fantastic game. Um DeMarco scores in the 6th, Fratesi in the 20th, Chiesa in the 72nd, uh, Netherlands on the other side, Bergwin scoring in the 68th, and Giorgino Wijnaldum scoring in the 89th minute to try and keep him alive, but uh, to no avail. Yeah, it, it just kind of seemed like in this game, um, the Italians were all over the Dutch the entire time. And of course, the Dutch, they, they kept their d uh, defensive structure pretty sound throughout most of the first part of the game, but then... After Italy started scoring, man, that was just kind of it. But then the Italians started, you know, sitting back and parking the bus a little bit more, and it let the Dutch, you know, make it a game again. Um, that was just kind of what I noticed. But um, in the 46th minute, Donnarumma made a 
like a game-changing save uh, against Cody Gakpo. It was a 1v1 where it was a ball across to Gakpo, and he just made a touch that put the ball exactly where it needed to go. Um, I mean, he just killed the pass, basically. It's exactly what you need to do with a touch. And Donnarumma, like, blocked it with his crotch, and it was it was like in just an awesome 1v1 moment. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. Uh, I do want to kind of talk about these lineups, though, in this match. They... I gotta be honest, they kind of suck. <laughs> Lay them on me. Like, I didn't even look at the lineups. So on the uh, for Netherlands, starting at keeper, uh, you have Justin. Uh, I think it's Bijlo uh, of Feyenoord, Denzel Dumfries, um, Luchrael Geertruda uh, of Feyenoord. Obviously, Virgil Van Dijk and Nathan Ake, and then your midfield: Xavi uh, Simons, um, Franke De Jong. And then Matt's Weifer, or Weifer, I believe. Uh, he plays for Feyenoord as well. And, and then your front three is interesting. You have Noah Lang of Club Bruges on left wing. And then Cody Gokpo starting at striker. And Danielle Mullen starting at right wing. I, I feel like Gokpo and Mullen should have switched. But in general, I just feel like there's something missing from this Netherlands lineup that I'm used to. Yeah, and, and it could be, you know, I, I know a lot of players, I, I want to say, opt out of these tournaments because, I mean, they aren't as big. They, they still sell out crowds, but it's not um, it's not something that I know a lot of the best players in the world are trying to jump on. But, like, you're exactly right. They they definitely, uh, especially on the Dutch side, could have um, worked something in a little bit better. I mean, Wijnaldum on the bench, you know, yeah. just kind of – Stuff like that. Of course, when Adam got subbed in, you know, right at the start of the second half, and same with Bergwijn too. And and when Adam and Bergwijn ended up being, you know, two of the most important players of the game, the Dutch. So, yeah, the Dutch, um, the Dutch definitely lost this one on their own. Yeah, but then Italy's lineup once again, it just it, it felt like they're missing something, and they had the players on the roster like selected to this team, they just didn't start them in the starting lineup. Of course, John Luigi Donnarumma, um. Um, and then at right back, Rafael, uh, to, uh, I believe it's Toloi. Toloi? I don't know. He's a right back for Atalanta. And then a Serbi. But then Buongiorno. Ugh, I, I suck with these Italian names, dude. Buongiorno uh, at center back when you have players on the bench that easily could have played. Like Leandro Bonucci is on the bench, you know, maybe for good reason. He is 36 years old, but. Mateo Darmian is on this team as well, and he's not in the starting lineup. Uh, I am glad to see Federico DeMarco. And then in the midfield, uh, a very old uh, – okay, he's not even that old. Marco Verratti is not that old, but I feel like he's like 900 years old. He's only 30. <laughs> I swear to God, he's been playing soccer forever. Uh, but yep. uh, Brian Cristante in the midfield, and then uh, Davide Fertesi, who was a goal scorer in this one and an assister. But I uh, just – I don't know. Like, you don't start Chiesa. You don't start Barella. You didn't start Spinazzola. Like, it feels like you're missing the big-time players in this one. Yeah, especially um, Immobile would be a big one. Yeah. He, he was on the bench, and he didn't get subbed on. Uh, Jorginho. You could – Jorginho for sure. And, and Di Lorenzo, probably the biggest. You have a, a captain of Napoli. Who wouldn't want the captain of Napoli on their starting 11? And, and just – I don't understand it either. Um, yeah, even Nicolo Zan uh, Zanilo? Uh, uh, oh, Zaniolo, yeah, uh, yeah. Galatasaray. He, yeah, he had an amazing season at Galatasaray. Um, at least I think he did. And 
even he was uh, kind of a guy left out here. So, yeah, just the third place game was just very strange. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what was going on there. But uh, let's talk about the championship game. Uh, a fantastic game, really. Uh, it was nil-nil in regular time between Spain and Croatia. Um, and then um, Croatia goes first in the penalty shootout. They make their first three. Uh, they miss the fourth one. It was Lovro Meyer. And then um, for Spain, they make their first four straight. And then Imeric Laporte misses the fifth. And then uh, Croatia's Bruno Petkovic misses. And then Danny Carvajal comes up clutch for Spain with the fifth and gets them the win. I, I love, 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 love this Spain lineup. Me too. Um, yeah, me too. I, it, it, this was the most entertaining nil-nil tie I, I have ever watched in my entire life. And I actually yeah. watched this one with my dad on uh, Father's Day. So it was a really cool moment, you know, him and I watching soccer. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of notes on this one. Jordi Alba, at his age, is in-fucking-credible. And, you know, a little bit biased because he plays the position that I played in soccer, but... He is phenomenal at that spot. I, I mean, offensively, just so sound. He He's out there playing like a center mid on the wing. And defensively, he just never makes a wrong challenge or never pressures a guy at a wrong time. It's always just perfect from him. And then, which was just so unfair about the Spain lineup, dude, on the other side of him, the other fullback, was Jesus Navas, who's a 37-year-old legend who just won the fucking Europa League with Sevilla, and then Carvajal subbed him off. I, I mean, Spain's fullbacks were just all around, in my opinion, the entire reason they won this game, seriously. Yeah. They, it, they were all brilliant. And the best part is, it's all veteran talent. Like yes. you said, Jesus Navas, 37 years old, he has seen some shit in his career. Like, he only started playing right back like a couple of years ago and is arguably one of the better ones in the world, even at the age of 37. Jordi Alba, Jordi Alba at 34 is still fantastic. He had one hell of a game, an 8.0 rating, and he was 103 for 113 on passes, five chances created, like absolutely crazy. Um, he had 20 passes into the final third as a left back. It doesn't get much better than that. I mean, it just doesn't. Yeah, and like the bench had some great, great players on it as well. Players like Ansu Fati, Joselu, who just uh, returned to Real Madrid. Uh, Nacho Fernandez was on the bench. Danny Olmo, who has been fantastic for Leipzig this past year. Um, Rodrigo was on the bench. Sergio Canales has been very good. Uh, he was uh, a big part of Real Batista's team this season. Just so many great players on the Spanish team that I'm surprised we haven't seen more success recently before this. I am too, and I, I think the argument with Spain is that you know they are young, which which is true. But I mean, they they have tactically played the same way, and they have played so well since they won the World Cup in 2010. It, it's it's this like beautiful passing soccer where. You know, when they lose the ball, it's like everybody just attack and try to win it back as soon as possible. But when the other team is kind of settled, Spain are just like this high press, like Anaconda like team out there that are just trying to squeeze, you know, fullbacks into corners and pressuring the keeper and pressuring center backs. And they are 
so fun to watch. But the other team that they played against Croatia, they're I I, I think you you could not have drawn up a better final, in my opinion. And this is kind of a hot take. Croatia and Spain are two of the most entertaining countries in the world to watch right now, I think. Oh, yeah. I I 100% agree. I love what Croatia has. And the fact that Ivan Perisic started at left back and was the man of the match with an 8.3 rating. He had two total shots, uh, 39 for 49 on accurate passes. He created a chance. Um had a shot on goal in the 126th, or sorry, that was his penalty, my bad, um, but did convert his penalty um, just in general. Such a great player, and the fact that he's playing at left back and actually playing very well is crazy. Yeah, and, and you know, I just talked about why I thought Spain was so entertaining to watch. Here's why Croatia is so entertaining to watch. Not only the heart that they play with, but their midfield trio, Kovacic, Brozovic, and Modric. That those are some of the three coolest midfielders you could watch. And I know Brozovic and Kovacic are a little bit more on the underrated side, but like if you really watch their game and how they play together with the veteran Luka Modric at the helm, it's it was just like I said, the most entertaining nil-nil game I've ever seen. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. And having a striker like Andre Kramaric up front. Um, it's such a great thing to have. Uh, he's such a great target um, for this team. And just in general, like their, their defense played pretty solid, especially on the right side. Uh, Josip, uh, Josip Sutalo played great. Uh, and then Josip Joranovic of Union Berlin played fantastic on the right as well. Oh, he was absolutely incredible. And, and just like, <laughs> I'm just sucking the dick of all these players, but I, I just wanted to keep talking a little bit longer. Unai Simon, just learn the name because yep. he has got to go somewhere for at least a hundred million euro, a hundred million euros just <laughs> soon. Because this dude from from Bill Bow, might I add, is you could say all you want about David de Gea or any other Spanish goalkeeper. You know, even Kepa. This guy is the best Spanish goalkeeper in the world right now, and I feel like not a lot of people are talking about him. Rodri player that you know just want to treble with Manchester City was absolutely brilliant in this game and I didn't realize how many you know long shots he likes to take oh yeah it seemed like every time he had even an ounce of space he was firing a shot and I love it yeah he loved he loves to try a good long shot yes it, it just dude I I'm just I'm just so glad I watched this game on some random Father's Day Sunday it, it was just <laughs> this, this was truly a sight to behold yeah a, a fantastic game uh, anything else you want to add from these matches? Um, another thing about Spain and Croatia, both teams deserve to win it at the end of the game. I truly thought. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, we do have, I believe, Euro qualification. Yeah, Euro twenty twenty four qualification. Um, doesn't start till September, but definitely excited to see some of these teams play. Um, for sure. I'm I'm definitely most excited to. You know, see what Erling Holland has in store, of course. Yeah, um, I, I want to see more of Norway for sure, with Odegaard too. Yeah, I, I think that they could be very good, at least on the attacking side. And then I want to see what England can bring to the table. Yeah, I, I like that too. I, I'm kind of looking at Italy. I, I want to see how Italy can bounce back after, you know, not being in the World Cup but winning the past Euro. And, you know, <laughs> I hate to say it, 
Well, actually, I'll go Spain. Spain would be another team that I'd want to watch because, as you pointed out, it's very, very young, but they have the veteranship in just the right places, and I think it mixes very well for them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, We did have some of these Euro qualification matches uh, just a couple of days ago. Norway did play Cyprus. Um, Norway, of course, Holland getting two on the board. Not a surprise. Uh, Martin Odegaard. Of course, assisting one of those. And then um, we had a few other pretty solid games. Moldova beat Port- or Poland um, 3-2, which is a rather surprising result. Uh, yep. Portugal with a goal. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo scoring the deciding 1-0 goal over Iceland. Uh, Bernardo Silva had a great game in that one. Uh, and Rafael Leal looked fantastic. And th- this is going to be such a cool time for like Portuguese fans. Cause like, yeah. even though you're going to lose Ronaldo, you have like all these other guys that are for the first time. It's not just Ronaldo really. Yeah, dude. I love the Portuguese lineup that they put out there on the field. You have Diogo Costa, uh, the keeper for Porto in goal, the young guy, 23 years old. And then wow. you play a five at the back uh, where Danilo Pereira plays center back. Uh, and then you have Pepe and Ruben Diaz and then Diogo Dalot on the right, like kind of right wing back, Yao Cancelo left wing back, Bruno Fernandes and Ruben Neves in the midfield, Rafael Leao and Bernardo Silva kind of playing right and left forward, and then Cristiano up front, like absolutely yeah. insane. And then like having guys on your bench like Rafael Guerrero, yeah, Jao Felix, Vitinha, Diogo Jota, Renato Sanchez, like absolutely crazy the kind of guys they can put on the field right now. Oh, for sure. I agree. I can't believe Pepe's still playing, too. Dude, that's, that's I know. <laughs> it, it's absolutely crazy. Um, yes. But, yeah, I think it's time to talk some transfer news. Ooh, top three. Oh, no, no, not top three, bottom no, three. We have news. Transfer first. news. And this is one that's not on the prep sheet because it recently came out, but it's got to be the biggest news. It appears. This could all just be rumors. There's really no telling. That's my favorite part of transfer news is that <laughs> this could all just be fake. But yep. it looks like Kylian Mbappe is set to leave PSG. Uh, PSG and their owner, the Emir of Qatar, um, have come to an agreement with Florentino Perez and Real Madrid upon a 200 million euro fee with a bonus 50 million to send him to Real Madrid. Bonus fifty million. Yeah, I think that one's like a surefire thing. I think it's probably one of those like stipulations where it's like, um, like if you guys like you know win a certain amount of games or if he scores a certain amount of goals, like you have to give us more money. Yeah, I I wonder. You know, now it seems more suspicious about how like how and where Benzema left. Yep. And, you know, Florentino Perez, I, I mean, I don't, you know, the Spanish mafia can come kill me, but he, he's a total douche. <laughs> um, and I could totally see him, you know, kind of finagling something, sort of ba- basically forcing Benzema, a club legend, on the way out in order to get Mbappe in. Yeah, I don't know if there's much of a connection, only because PSG's ownership is Qatari um, and not from, like, I don't think they have much relation to the Saudi league. Uh, but then again, both teams are, you know, both countries trying to be very involved in the soccer world. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but I, I think that 
in general. It was probably like Real Madrid wanted a bunch of money um, for Karim Benzema, and they wanted to spend a bunch of money on Mbappe. So, you know, it made sense. And, and Karim Benzema's getting up there. He is. So he is. I, I, I don't I don't. I don't know how connected they are, but it, it certainly could be the case. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about Mauricio Pochettino and Chelsea's fire sale, because it has officially begun. Um, I'll just go down the list. Conte, officially unveiled at Al-Itihad. Uh, Hakim Ziyech to Al-Nassar, looks like a done deal. Edouard Mendy to Al-Hilal is just about a done deal, as well as Kalidou Koulibaly. Um, and then Mateo Kovacic on his way to Man City, uh, reported around thirty million pounds. Uh, Arsenal have agreed to a deal worth up to sixty-seven point five million pounds for Kai Havertz, and Mount Mason Mount is on his way to Man United. Looks like they agreed on sixty million pounds. I mean, you know, as a Chelsea fan, this is kind of fucking ridiculous. But um, this is uh, this is uh, unfortunately the world that uh, Chelsea fans live in now. <laughs> yeah, but it's. Uh... I, I we, will we say, are on we are on our way to becoming the new PSG of the world. Maybe. But what I will say about what Chelsea's done is I think it's the right move. Uh, literally, I don't think they got a single one of these wrong because I think they're kind of doing this because they're planning on spending quite a few dollars. And Mauricio Pochettino said it himself when he got here. He wanted to make up, I think, a hundred and fifty or like two hundred or hundred and fifty million pounds in this transfer market to use. And he's obviously building it up right now. And they're going to need it if they want Victor Osiman because Napoli have set his starting price at 180 million euros. Yeah. Well, I actually, I, I don't have uh, th- this is not in- including the Mason Mount transfer, but um, Chelsea have sold 130 million euros in players minus Mason Mount. So all of what you just mentioned is 130 million euros. Yeah, and I think oh. Mason Mount is at 60 million is what the number I saw. Yeah, but you're you're exactly right though, and that's that's kind of the. But what Chelsea are going to do is um replace all these guys in the transfer yeah. window. Basically, it's um, I seriously don't think people are prepared for who Chelsea might sign. And that's not me, you know, getting excited like, oh, we're going to get Neymar or, uh, you know, all these crazy players. But I truly think, like, teams always spend more money than they lose. And if we're losing around 200 million euros, think of what's going to come. Yeah. It's going to be ridiculous, I think, truly. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, if they do, you know, if somebody does pay that 180 million for Victor Osimhen, you know, barring this Kylian Mbappe move, um, if that 180 is the final price, it'll be the second most expensive transfer ever. Uh, but if Mbappe's price is right, then his will be the second, and Victor Osiman would be third, um, only behind Neymar's ridiculous 220 to PSG. Yeah. Um, you know, 180 million euros for Osiman, I think it's too much. I do too. Uh, he, he had one good season, you know, and he's been a pretty good player before that uh, last season that he just had, but I don't think Napoli really want to get rid of him. I I think that's what that 180 means. (laughs) I think it's just the starting point. I I have a feeling that it could be brought down all the way to like 130. I I do too. No, I'm I'm definitely in the same boat with you there. But I I think 
most likely what this 180 comes out of is um, kind of just testing all these teams that have inquired because I'm sure everybody is calling. Yeah, I, I'm sure it's not just Chelsea. Yeah, so I think they're just trying to, you know, wash out a couple of suitors. Yep, I, I agree. But let's move to this next one. I think this is – it's. I don't like the move, but I think it's absolutely fantastic. Ilkay Gundogan leaving Man City for Barcelona on a free transfer. Yep, he can shit on La Liga teams and not my team. I, <laughs> I am so happy that he is leaving the Prem. He is – I think it's a wonderful transfer, even with how he'll fit with that Barca team. Yep. Um, age seems to be just a number for him, so Barcelona got a fantastic player for free. Yeah, he is so fucking good, and he's, it's crazy that he is still this good. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. I, and I, I absolutely love watching his game. Obviously, the way he played in that FA Cup final, good Lord. But just in general, watching him play all season, he was he was stellar, and the fact that he's just that good, and he is just not even a, a top what three player in that starting lineup at Man City. Yeah, I know it's incredible. It, it really is, but yeah, I I really think he's going to do great things in Barcelona. I I feel like I said it a couple of weeks ago when we talked about him possibly leaving that I'd like to see him play in Spain because I'd love to see how his play style con- like converts. So. Yeah, I'm I'm super happy about this one. Other than the yeah. fact that I'm not really going to get to watch because I never really watch any Spanish soccer. I don't either. I mean, you know, Bean Sports is on. We just never really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll pass. Um, <laughs> but we got another Man City player that could be on the move. Bernardo Silva. It, it looks like he's likely on the move, but could it was reported that he might have been taking a, a a move to Saudi Arabia over moving to PSG or Barcelona or even staying at Man City. Now, looking like he'd prefer a move to Barcelona or PSG over Saudi Arabia. Dang. Barcelona could get him, too. I, I mean... Well, it'd shit. be ridiculous. Yeah. They would have um, too, too much talent in the midfield. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Like, well, what do you Just even do with that? <laughs> I, I don't know because they they have these, you know, like 22-year-olds to like 20-year-olds that are in their starting 11 that are also playing really good. Yeah, like Gavi, <laughs> so, Pedri, like what are you supposed to do with them? <laughs> I almost like wouldn't – maybe Gundogan, you know, as, as like kind of more of a veteran than Bernardo Silva, but like you don't want to load it too much because those youth guys are developing – amazing being in the starting yeah. 11 and playing as good as they are yeah like maybe they're putting bernardo on the wing but i don't know yeah i don't know either but you know regardless that that it's still a good transfer for barcelona it's not you yeah know, they're definitely upgrading but i like the youth um the youth movement that they have going on there yeah same boat um this is a fantastic move newcastle kind of getting it started this offseason they have reached a full agreement for AC Milan defensive midfielder Sandro Tonali, who was absolutely outstanding for AC Milan this year. Oh, 100%. Um, I, I'm going to be honest, though. I'm excited to watch him more, but I hate this move because I have a little bit of a soft spot for AC Milan, especially in the early 2000s, and I really thought this guy was Pirlo 2.0. Yeah, yeah, but money See, talks. Bag. It does talk. Money talks. Especially when it's coming from Newcastle. Yeah, I, I think that's such a great move. Sandra Tonali was 
undeniably one of the best midfielders in Serie A last year. And, and playing in that defensive position, he was so goddamn good. Like, yeah. just overall. I really think, and I don't know if you'll agree with me with this, but like almost any player from that AC Milan starting 11 team that we covered, you know, through its Champions League days could have played in the prim. Uh, it, it would have been no more physical than how they already play. Um, yeah. And just, you know, with their their speed and like their desire for the 50-50 ball, like any AC Milan player is going to do awesome in the prim, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um. But the next thing, Hoangman Son has rejected a move to Saudi Arabia and is likely to remain with Tottenham. Yeah, they, uh, I mean, I know it's, you know, kind of like, well, obviously, but they offered him a really good contract and a lot longer than a lot of other people are signing for. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't quite remember the, the number, but it was definitely I high. It was six years. Yeah, and, you know, for a guy that's 30 years old, who certainly had a down year in the Prem this past season, but still such a fantastic player. Uh, I'd be surprised if he goes to Saudi Arabia right now. I would too, and I'm actually looking at it now. It was a three days ago Saudi club to bid at 60 million uh, euros for Tottenham's Hungman son, and he would have been making – it was a four-year contract worth about 30 million euros per year, so not mm. as much as uh, – what I thought it was, but I mean, he did have an, a down year and he's still young to be able to re-sign. So, I mean, I kind of yeah. get it, but you're going to have to throw way more money at a player like that to get him to come over at his age. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk about Man United and just this entire Declan Rice uh, race. So Man United trying to rival Arsenal and Man City for Declan Rice. It looks like Man United willing to offer Harry Maguire, or Scott McTominay, or another guy that's been in conversations, Anthony Alonga, as well as Cash for Declan Rice. Looks like Man City uh, have made quite the amount of ground after only being reportedly like in on this in the past couple of days. It looks like they're the closest to completing a deal, but it looks like Declan Rice is keen on making a move to Arsenal. So I really have no no idea who he's going to end up with. Yeah, because to add to that, I thought he was keen on staying to, with uh, West Ham. I read an article today that sounded like he was a little bit more focused on staying rather than leaving. It, it's just that's just how it is with you know this sport. Yeah, <laughs> covering yeah, it's, news, it's but wild. What do you, I mean? What do you think? This is something we could talk about. You know, do you think it's better for him to stay Arsenal, United, or City? I think City is the worst landing spot. Um. You know, with what we saw from John Stones at defensive midfield and Rodrigo, I, I see no reason to go for a guy like Declan Rice. Um, and, and, like, you have, like, Calvin Phillips, who was kind of a similar thing with, like, similar to Declan Rice. Obviously a little bit less of a sample size, which is fantastic play. But, um, you know, they picked him up, barely used him, and when they did, he played like shit. Um so I see no reason for Man City to even be in this race other than to just be like, how oh, we stole him from you guys. Do you not think Declan Rice would play better than John Stones? He probably would. But and I think that's, at that, that's at, that, page, City, at right? that price, is it worth it? That, that's a great point. But in the, in the world of soccer with this money, does it really matter? Fair enough. I, yeah, I mean, you fair. have players that sign busts 
or, or teams that sign busts all the time. It doesn't really affect them sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I don't really think Declan necessarily fits that style. I, I think, I don't know. I, I He doesn't need to stay at West Ham, but kind of want him to stay at West Ham. I, but for his career, he just, he just doesn't need yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think Arsenal is his best option. Yeah, that sounds pretty bad too. <laughs> I, I think I don't know, man. I I think I like United, especially if they get rid of Fred, Declan Rice, and yeah. Casemiro. That'd be kind of nasty. Yeah, that would be a phenomenal pairing. Uh, but let's talk a little more, Man United. Supposedly, they're the only club that's in the race for Inter's keeper Andre Onana. Wow. I think I may have heard that Chelsea may have dipped their toes in the water yeah. of Andre Onana, but yeah. um, especially, you know, with losing Mindy, I kind of hope that's true. But uh, uh, I don't know. Is De Gea on his way out? Uh, his contract, I think, ends. Um, so he might be. Uh, I think Onana would be a fantastic pickup. Obviously, we saw what he could do for Inter. He was yeah. fantastic last year and in years prior. Um, Thiax. Yeah. Yeah, he was yep. he was so goddamn good, and I, I think that a move to the prem would just kind of cement that. Yeah, I I do too. So I, I have no problem with him going to Man United. I yeah, I have no problem with him going to United, but I I, I would like him at Chelsea though. He he would be cool. Yeah, I have. <laughs> I've been, been keeping s- up with him for a little while. Yeah, I've been seeing more um, Mike Magnan to Chelsea. Oh, that would be good too. Yeah, wouldn't mind that one. There, there's so many good goalies out there. It, it's just, or honestly, you know, changing the topic to Chelsea goalies. I don't think Keppa would. I, I'm not. I wouldn't be mad if we kept Keppa for one more year. Yeah, I think that'd be fine. But I, I would explore your options. I, I would too, especially with Todd Bowley, because um, the options are limitless. It seems so. Yeah. <laughs> sure looks like it. <laughs> uh, but let's kind of keep it with Manchester United. It looks like. Fulham is eyeing Fred uh, in the midfield. I-, I think that they might as well go ahead and pick him up. I do too, and I think I just read actually to um, to add to this that Manchester United's fee for Fred I think is like twenty million euros. Oh my god! Yeah, you gotta take him. Yeah, it was either thirty or twenty. Yeah, either way, like that's a that's a great deal for a guy who, particularly in the FA Cup, played fantastic. <laughs> like across the board in the FA Cup. He was very good. Fake up legend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think that would be a, a fantastic move for Fulham. They they have such a great like young team. Adding a guy like Fred, I think, would help out a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, Fred was kind of a meme in years prior, but recently I feel like he's only gotten better. So I feel like Fulham should just go ahead and jump on it, kind of like what you said. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Thomas Partey. Looks like he's likely on his way out of Arsenal. I believe he asked to leave. Uh, and looks like he wants to move to Juventus. Wow. Okay. Here's where Declan Rice comes in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then again, I, I think Partey's frustrations with Arsenal probably sprouted from Jorginho's pickup and, and him kind of taking his spot in the lineup. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like Partey is, is very good, uh, but it, you know if he doesn't have a spot, he needs to leave. Yeah, and, and I feel like maybe going um, 
going to Italy would help him out, especially for a team like, you know, Juventus. He's still, you know, staying with a big team, and he probably has more of a likelihood of starting with Juventus. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's get into a, a Saudi move. <laughs> Ruben Neves yeah. of Wolves is on his way to Al-Hilal. Um, 47 million pound fee. Seems a little high for Ruben Neves. Really? I don't know. I, I feel like, like yeah, he's been good. He hasn't been like great. I, I feel like there's other players that have been bought in that ballpark that I feel are better. Yeah, I, that that's a good point. I, I feel like he is pretty good. Um, he's also at an age where he could still, you know, wiggle around there and bump up a price. I think, or a club could in negotiations yeah. with him. Yeah, and it looks like like this has been increasing, increasingly uh, gaining ground. Is that it's been discussed that he'll be loaned to Newcastle for two seasons. Oh wow! Um, which is a little suspicious since obviously both of these teams are owned by the Saudi private investment fund. <laughs> uh, it comes full circle. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Just wait. It's probably going to get worse. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it will. <laughs> yeah, but Sergio Busquets is reuniting with his longtime teammate, Lionel Messi, in Miami. <laughs> Here's where it starts. And, yep. and Sergio Busquets and Messi, uh, they have a long way to go with Miami because Inter-Miami are shit. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and it looks like Messi isn't debuting until, like, late July. Wow. Because I, I think, you know, he kind of wanted an offseason. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That's the biggest problem with summer transfers <clears throat> to the MLS. Yeah. I remember uh, when Atlanta United signed Guzon, it felt like as a F- Atlanta United fan, we were waiting on Guzon for months. Yeah, because like these guys Guzon. just finished a full season. You give yep. them like a month. <laughs> it's, it's brutal. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm... As much as I said, like, you know, I feel like the messy move is just poorly timed and just the amount of moves coming, it could ruin the MLS. I'm glad Sergio Busquets is the kind of player and at his age to make the move. Oh, 100%. And I mean, it's just um, going to be exciting for sure. Yeah. All right. The next Borussia Mönchengladbach's Marcus Marcus Thuram is nearing a move to AC Milan. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think this is a great move. Marcus Thuram has been very good at Borussia Mönchengladbach for, I feel like, a number of years now. Um, and finally making a move, kind of stepping up uh, and going to a team like AC Milan, which is such a good young squad. He'll get in, uh, maybe not all the time, uh, you know, with the talent we've seen on that team, but certainly will be a good player on that lineup. Sure. And he's, um, he's a huge guy, dude. Yeah. And he kind of fits the AC Milan style of, you know, physicality and speed. And yeah, uh, just like you, I love this move for AC Milan. Yep. And then looks like Bayern are about to complete the transfer of Napoli's Kim Min Jae. So we talked about him, I believe being linked to a few premier league teams, but it looks like Bayern won the race. Yeah. Um, they're one of those teams that has the power to win the race, you know. Don't don't forget sure. about Bayern. <laughs> yeah, I know. We talk so much about like Premier League teams and the money they've got and like Real Madrid and Barcelona. Bayern Munich 
is notorious for just buying guys all the time. A hundred percent. And they'll never buy the biggest player. Nope. They, they will always buy someone that is just going to be solid for them. <laughs> they, they rarely miss. Yeah, they, they grow. They're, they're superstars. Yes. All right. Rafael Guerrero will also be going to Bayern. He's undergoing his physical, I believe, today or tomorrow um, before signing a deal likely through 2026. Dortmund need to put just a fucking embargo on Bayern. And yeah. I'm going to be honest. I like Bayern a little bit better than Dortmund because I think Bayern is the most well-ran soccer team in the entire world and has been my entire life. That's that's how I've always seen Bayern Munich. But Dortmund are just frustrating, man. <laughs> and they would have lost Marco Royce if he could stay healthy. Yep. He would have been a Bayern player too. Oh, yeah. Like, He's like the one player. That I, uh, I've always been so surprised they never got him. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I understand that you know Bayern are you know the local team that has a lot of money, and you happen to be a youth team that you know can produce this young talent that you can ship off for you know sixty to eighty million euros. But when does it become about winning the Bundesliga? They got so close last year. Yep. Then you see signings like this. It's just. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not a businessman, but I think this is stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And you said a word that got me thinking. You said embargo. And um, I don't know if you saw this, but Gary Neville said that the Premier League should place an embargo on Saudi Arabia. Wow. Gary Neville said that? Yeah. Dang, that's pretty big words from, you know, a very popular voice. Yeah, I, I think that that's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily agree with that either. What, what was his reasoning? I think it was just like they're ruining, they're ruining the structure of soccer. I mean, are they? It's just giving a place for older players to go and retire. Well, I, I think outside of that, they're trying to in, like you know build a league. You know, they're yeah. trying to make a name for themselves. That'd be like saying that if the MLS did the same shit, that we should place an embargo on it because they want to grow the league by introducing European players. Like, yeah. that that's, that's psych. That's, it's insane. Yeah, they have a yeah. surplus of money. Yes, they do. You know, there are owners that are from Saudi Arabia or are part of the private investment fund across European soccer. Of course, that's the case. But, it's not just those teams that are selling players. Like, you know, obviously Chelsea so selling a ton of players because they need to make the money back. And Real yeah. Madrid selling off Benzema. Like, it's not just Premier League teams that are selling these players. It just happens that some of the best players in the world play in this league. Yeah. And I mean, you, if you want to talk about putting an embargo on Saudi Arabia because of, you know, the, the deeper shit that goes on there, sure. But, like, they're, they're just trying to build a league. And, and like what you said, and I, I like how you put it that way, because that, that's, that is what they're doing. Yeah, they, they have a lot of money, and they can reel in talent that, you know, even you and I will sit here and go, like, oh, wow, you know, it's such a bummer that N'Golo Conte is not going to be on TV anymore, basically. But, like, you also can't deny um, a country from, you know, trying to create a league, I feel like. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to 
find some of maybe his direct quote. Yeah, so he said, the Premier League should put an embargo or an instant embargo on transfers to Saudi Arabia to ensure the integrity of the game isn't being damaged. He said the checks should be made on the appropriateness of the transactions. If it comes through that process, obviously transfers could open up again. But I do believe at this moment in time, transfers should be halted until you look into the ownership structure at Chelsea and whether they are beneficial transfer dealings that are improper. Interesting. So he's put it pretty much putting Chelsea at blame. Yeah. I mean, Chelsea did have a lot of players at one time go and leave there. Yeah. And they were in a spot where... Maybe if I was a dirty son of a bitch and I was owning Chelsea, I, I would maybe call someone that's in charge of, uh, like a, I don't know, maybe in charge of the Saudi league and just let them know, hey, I have players to dump and y'all have money to spend. Yeah, yep. Maybe it is kind of one of those cases, but I doubt it. I, I think it's just kind of a coincidence because, yeah, I, I just think it's kind of a coincidence. Yeah, I agree. And, like, when you're looking at it, like, between Chelsea and then Wolves, who's selling off Ruben Neves, like they're just trying to keep within Premier League's three-year limit uh, on losses um, under their financial fair play rules. Because if over a three-year span um, you have losses of 105 million pounds, then you're breaking the Premier League's financial fair play rules. And Chelsea obviously spent more than 400 million in transfers last season, and they're just trying to make that money back. And Wolves, they had losses of forty six point one million last year, and that's why they sold Neves for forty seven million. Yeah, makes sense. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think Gary Neville took it a little too far. Um, I, I, I get where he's coming from. You know, you don't want the game to change. You don't want this. You know, maybe dirty play. You know, being used, but. I think in general, the Saudi Arabian League is just attempting to make a name for itself. And there obviously are because everybody knows who they are now. Everybody is yeah. paying attention to what's going on. For sure. And I, I've uh, I've seen Ronaldo jerseys from his uh, his team over yeah. there, Al-Nassar or Al-Nasir. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Okay, this is not transfer news, but... I love this. Xabi Alonso is expected to be the waiter in, or, oh my God, the manager in waiting for when Carlo Ancelotti leaves in 2024. Wow. That's going to be very cool. <laughs> yeah. Xabi, dude, El Clasico. Xabi Alonso, or Xabi Alonso versus Xabi. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, One that you left out on here mad at you for this christopher nunkuku to chelsea oh yeah been completed um that is very exciting and i think that's a lot of the reason and it, it was one of those where i even forgot about it dude like i was all upset about losing Zhao felix until a couple days ago because i had totally forgot that chelsea and leipzig had agreed for nunkuku to come in the summer and yeah. i think christopher nunkuku is going to be leagues better than Zhao felix and i mean you hear the knocks. My infamous knocks. <laughs> I do have a wooden table, so it it will work, basically, is what I'm saying. But, yeah, I'm so excited for him. So, so excited. He yeah. might be a Jersey cop. Oh, wow. Yeah, he might be a Jersey cop. You're not sure. going to give it a season? Nope. Confident. 
Okay. All right. What do you think about it? I, I think it's a fantastic move. Um, you know, we haven't – I feel like there's more to see. Not, not like – not in the sense of, like, he hasn't done enough in Germany. It's more just, like, that's the only spot he's played. And, you know, that hasn't always worked out. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> but I can I can definitely appreciate his versatility. Um, you know, he plays a, primarily like striker and like false nine uh, for Leipzig, but can get out on the wings, can play cam very well. Like overall, uh, just a fantastic player. Um, I, I don't know if he's going to be the goal scorer that some people think he will be when he gets to the Prem. But, you know, a guy that came up through PSG's youth system um, and, you know, has caps for France, uh, I, you know, if I'm a Chelsea fan, I can't be happier. Sure. And a player that sadly also missed the World Cup, I think, too. Through, yeah, I believe uh, so. All right. Are you ready for this top three, bottom three? Let's We're going do it, man. Confirmed transfers and, uh, you know, deals that have been rumored thus far. Um, I'm first on the top three. Luke's first on the bottom three. Um, and this has to be like somebody actually leaving. It cannot be a player deciding not to leave or like signing a new contract. So I'll get it started. I'm going Jude Bellingham to Real Madrid. Fucking took my first <laughs> It's such a good fucking move, dude. It, with Modric and Cruz being uh, any day now, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean as, as much as they are good, yeah, Real Madrid are just in a such a good spot with uh, Schwamini and Camavinga and now Jude Bellingham and Valverde, man. Oh, man. A lot of mans, but this is a uh, Real Madrid won this one. <laughs> yeah, dude, the kid is, what, 19? Yes. He's 19 years old. He was the captain of Dortmund. And now. He's going to Real Madrid for a like what a hundred million, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it, it just makes sense, honestly. Like it's the guy. He's the future. Why not just send him to Real Madrid? I like it. Do you think he starts? I think he does early on. Um, you know, he's well, obviously know. gonna have to work. You know, I, I think he'll be like. He'll be a, a key first-team player, but he will get rotated out every so often uh, just because there's other guys to cater to. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if that in that new um, extension that Cruz signed, that one-year deal that I, you and I texted about it like a couple days ago, I, I wonder if he accepted a lesser role. Could be. In that contract deal because some, you know, a lot of good players do that at the end of their career. They don't necessarily want to leave their club. So they, you know, they're fine coming off the bench and, you know, taking less minutes and hurting their body less. So maybe that's what happened. And Jude Bellingham will start, but as of right now, I don't think he does. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like he would play Cruz's role very well. Yes. So I agree. I think we'll just have to see, but Luke, who's your first pick? This is one that I know you didn't think of, but give me Alexis McAllister to Liverpool. Oh, one, a deal that happened very, very early on. I, I I, I'm sure you did, but I, I, I wanted to get that jab there because you know, we're going against <laughs> each other. 
this, uh, I mean, really any player from Brighton that's going to leave um, is going to play well. And this just happened to be the best one. Unfortunate that he's going to Liverpool, but I think this one's going to work out super well. Um, I, I will. I would even go as far as to say I think he's an upgrade from Firmino's prime. I think he'll be that good. That's that's pretty. <laughs> that's okay. a hot take. Yeah, it's a hot take. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of split here. Uh, I'm gonna take okay Gundogan to Barcelona. Yep. I, I just I love that move so much. It, it's a good one. And, and like you know, we've already talked about this in depth but i think that he makes it into the team you know pretty early and often um you know especially with busquets out yeah you know with busquets leaving um you know this squad certainly isn't bad and they have a surplus of midfielders you know frankie de young pedri gavi the guys like that are gonna make it in uh but you know we could see them utilizing you know, Pedri and Gavi in different ways than maybe we thought of, uh, which will open the door for Ilkay Gundogan to, to play a little bit more. But I think as well, him going here allows him to kind of take take a, a little bit off because, you know, playing in the Prem and being an everyday starter for Man City for years now, it probably took a toll on him. And he probably wants to rest every so often. So I think he'll have yeah. his chance to do that with Barcelona. Yeah, especially, you know, coming from an injury background, too. Like, de- during the years, he should have been in his prime, really. Yep. Um, uh, all right, I'm next. I'm just going to go ahead and take someone that we just talked about, Christopher Nkuku to Chelsea. Um, really, any offensive player that comes through the front door is going to be exciting to me. Uh, I- I'm like a dog right now, Grayson. Anybody that comes through, I'm excited. It's just like meeting them <laughs> for the first time. Uh, because God, we know that Chelsea just need help as a team, but more specifically offensively, I, I think he's the man to you know at least help get the job done. Maybe not the man, but definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He he's been so good, um, you know, in Germany. So hopefully he can get that attack some goals. Sure, <laughs> but uh, I think for my third one. I'm stuck between two, but I already took two midfielders, so I'm going to go for a defender this time. I'm going Kim Min Jae to Bayern. I love this move so much, and, you know, we already talked about it, but this guy was so good last year in Serie A, and I think that that is very telling because Serie A was a super competitive league. He played for the best team this past season. Like, I'm so glad to see him making a big move. like it. Um... Man, I guess guess for my last one, even though I don't like it, it it's still a fantastic one. It's got to be Sandro Tonale uh, to Newcastle. And and something that I wanted to bring up too, he's going to be joining Gumieras there. It's <laughs> They're, they're going to be fucking loaded. If you thought they were good last year, wait till this coming year. Um, even if they don't place as high, I think it'll still, for their fans, feel like they are a better team if that makes sense, even if they place, you know, lower on the table. So, uh, yeah, I like Sandro Tonali to Newcastle. Yeah, I, I do as well. I think that you're right. That that partnership between him and Bruno Guimaraes is going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, and I'm so excited just to watch that team in general next year. Sure. 
All right, you ready for the bottom three? Yeah, Luke, let's get it started. Um, Give me Kai Havertz to Arsenal. Uh, mm. Don't really care as a Chelsea fan to lose him. We always misused him, and when he was used right, I don't even really think he was that good in my opinion. But that 2021 UCL final goal makes me a little bit sad to lose him. Um, to Arsenal. <laughs> yeah. Our rivals, it, it's not going to be fun, but I, I will say this. Arsenal overpaid the fuck. I, I think they overpaid to get him big time. Yeah. I do not think Kai Havertz was worth nearly as much as what he signed for. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, all in all, bad transfer. <laughs> fair enough. I'm going to go. Oh, man. I, I really can't decide here. Um, ah, fuck it. I'm taking Eduard Mendy to Al Hilal. I um, took one of mine. <laughs> I think that's just a bad move for him. I think whether he was going to keep playing at Chelsea or not, there was other places for him to play. You know, I, I'm glad, I'm glad at least this, this will get talked about because I just had to say this about this move. You mean to tell me for your entire senior playing career, you are not relevant until you had a decent season in 2019 with Stad Renez and then gets picked up by Chelsea and you make a worldwide name for yourself as the Senegalese goalkeeper for Chelsea. You are brilliant. And you're already leaving to play. Not only did you not resign for Chelsea, you didn't resign for a bigger team, which you easily could have gone and played for at the age of 31 as a goalie. Now yeah. you're in Saudi Arabia. It's a bummer move for him. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, I'm going to take another Saudi Arabian move, and this one's just, I mean, N'Golo Kante, a another player that, yes, he's getting up there in age, but if he were to leave Chelsea, Grayson, he could still win, he could still win a league title in a starting 11 of a team. He could still win a Champions League in a starting 11 of a team. Now he's going to play with Benzema in Saudi Arabia. I, I don't like this one either. But he's getting his bag. $100 million a year or euros for two years. Yeah, it's pretty that's, solid. He's getting paid a fuck ton of money. Yeah. All right. Uh, for my second one, I'm going to go Edin Dzeko to Fenerbahce. Dude, I almost had that one in my top three. <laughs> really? Dude, I feel I like Edin Dzeko just, like, is still kind of good at 37. Like, good enough to continue playing in the big five. I agree. Which is why I think it's good for Fenerbahce. <laughs> I don't know. I'd rather see him play. Yeah. <laughs> rather I, than I would randomly see him get, like, a team of the week card on FIFA. Yeah, or him caught up in a Galatasaray-Fenerbahce fight where he gets red carded. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that one, it is a bummer not to be able to see him, but I think Fenerbahce got a good player there. Oh, yeah. Um, This move pisses me off behind beyond belief. This one could have been my first one. Kovacic to City. One of oh, my fuck. favorite Chelsea players that never, never could make it into the starting 11 at Real Madrid or Chelsea, but, man, did I love Kovacic. And now he's just, I mean – Going to play for City to just play in some, you know, little pretty fucking depth role. He's not going to start on their team. They're too good. And I I hate to see him leave, but even more so, I hate to see him 
not go to a team like, you know, I don't, I don't even know, just a team where he could still play and start. Yeah, I don't like this move at all. <laughs> all right, hmm. messed you up. Yeah, you <laughs> did. Trying to think. Um. Ah, fuck it. Uh, I'm gonna go Hakim Ziyech to Saudi Arabia. I I think he's only 30 years old right now. I would have rather have seen him go back to Netherlands. Like uh, he really could have played other places. He didn't get the looks he should have at Chelsea. Honestly, no, like yeah, when he no. did play, he didn't play all that great. But I feel like he could have been utilized, and I, I honestly feel like he was never really in his place, though, in Chelsea. I agree with you, and it, it just sucks because I, I just realized this um, thinking about it now when you brought it up. He was supposed to go to PSG, and yeah. Chelsea fucked up his papers, and now he's going to Saudi Arabia. Yep. It's a, it's a complete bummer, but I, I was thinking about this, um, you know, watching the headline of him moving. He's going to compliment Ronaldo there so well, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ziyech, those Saudi Arabian fullbacks are not going to know what to fucking do with that left foot and his precision and Ronaldo's jumping ability. It, it's going to be crazy over there. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think that was a pretty solid draft there. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, It was tough to pick ones that I didn't like. Yeah, for me, we just we didn't really have a lot to go from or completed. It, it feels like there's been so much news, but a lot of it hadn't really been completed yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But also, like, even the ones that are just rumored, like, I, I haven't seen a lot of them where I'm like, that's a bad move. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, it, it's kind of hard to just not just pick, like, a bunch of Saudi Arabia moves. Honestly. Yeah, <laughs> for the bottom three, but... It's just because they're they're taking our players away, man. Our favorite players. Yeah, and a lot of it is guys that, like, still have time. Yeah. Exactly. Like, bro, the N'Golo Conte one hurt me, man. I, I, that little man and his smile, I I am so sad that we (laughs) will never see that in a Chelsea uniform again. I could honestly see him retiring early. Yeah. 100 million euros a year for two years. True. I'm, I'm, I'm retiring after that. I'm a World oh, Cup yeah. champion. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd leave too. Uh, but whatever, man. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. I think that's everything. Um, once again, I'm going to remind you, make sure you're following on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, even though I barely ever post on there. Um, <laughs> uh, make sure you join the subreddit because once I start seeing some members in there, then we're going to start getting that thing popping and it's going to take you guys as well. Can't do it all myself over there on Reddit. Um, and of course, make sure you're following on the podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, make sure you're leaving reviews on Apple and Spotify. Um, make sure that you're listening on YouTube, like comment, subscribe, of course, turn on the notifications. And uh, as always, man, we appreciate y'all for listening. Yeah, good time. And Luke, I appreciate you for joining me. uh, And welcome back from vacation.
Uh, dude, it was this was such a fun episode to record. I, I can't wait to see, you know, what kind of interactions this one gets when it goes out. Yeah, man. And the clips we can get too, man. Oh yeah, we got we got a couple of clips. I already got some cooking. All right, guys. We will catch y'all next week. Peace. Peace.